The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello and welcome to another episode. Another episode of Comic Chronicles. I am your host, Rodicat, and you can find me at Rodicat on Twitter. You can find me at News Nurse Need on Twitter, and you can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. South Carolina with Columbia down the way. And sound effects you've just heard come from none other than that man in Brooklyn. One agent underscore seventy on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? Bear in mind, I am also keeping tabs on the NFL draft, which is happening as we speak. So. Uh, you know, just forgive me if I'm a little slow on the uptake uh, tonight, but, uh, you know, hang in there, football fans. Representing BK to the fullest. Indeed, indeed. So we, you, you all of the, uh, so the miscellaneous comments that you might hear uh, Agent 70 say <laughs> under his breath. Right. Exclamations, right. They might be exclamations. <laughs> they might be expletives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, has has little to do with the show, but the uh, this the the draft this time. <laughs> it's sports fault. It's always sports most times. <laughs> but tonight, um, we uh, got a nice little show for you tonight. But before we get into it, want to say that you can find this here program on the Culture of the Podcast Network. That's cspn.us. Do it today. You can also find this uh, podcast on your podcast virtual place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Hmm. All right, I forgot I got a little toy corner to do. Um, you could also find this on your podcast virtual place of choice. Wait, I already did that part. Um, you could also find this recording live. Every Thursday night, 9.30-ish p.m. Eastern Time uh, on either uh, the YouTube channel of The Click Nation. That's YouTube.com slash The Click Nation. That's D-K-L-I-Q-N-A-T-I-O-N. Or Twitch.tv slash Comic Chronicles, all one word. So, yeah, folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tonight... We uh, are going to start off with, no surprise, the finale of Falcon and Winter Soldier. Um, I kind of almost wanted to call it what, by the name they call it at the end, but I don't want to do that for, for spoiler reasons. Well, we'll get to that, but, you know. Yeah, exactly. We are neck deep in spoilers, even though this is the recap of the finale of this particular season. Um it is the finale of this uh, f- uh, second MCU series 
on Disney Plus. So as uh, you know, we're want to do. I'm going to ring the spoiler bell. As Rodicat mentioned, we are about to dive neck deep into spoilers in three, two, one. Um, wait, does this have... Oh, here we go. So the name of this episode is called One World, One People, which is, uh, if you've been watching the show, has been a phrase uh, that has been uh, um, spoken by the Flag Smashers. Um, that's their, that's their, I guess, motto or whatever you want to call it. Um, but, it's a uh, catchphrase. Yeah, pretty much. But uh, we we pretty much start where we ended the last episode in that the um, the global reparation uh, council is meeting and also that uh, the flag smashers are pretty much um, uh, invading to stop the vote. Um, in a nice hail hail hydra, uh, well. You know, nice relative. But anyway, in a in a hail high type move, apparently they had a couple of people on the inside, uh, and uh, things kind of just start off with, um, uh, not necessarily in literal smoke and mirrors, but a little subterfuge because they throw a smoke bomb in, have everybody go out, and um, and um, and uh, to 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 uh, start the plan rolling. We see the entrance of well, we see uh, Bucky uh, entering the the perimeter as 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 Otis is as uh, as uh, Sam's talking to him that he's almost there. Um, we see somebody roll up on Bucky and remove this disguise, which this is was kind of silly because I'm like, why would she do this if she's not supposed you know if she's not supposed to be seen. <laughs> and we're talking about um one Sharon Carter in a um in a I guess holographic disguise or I don't know what they call those masks that they use because I know they, they use them a lot in Agents of Shield. Right. Right. Definitely shield stuff because it's what Black Widow uses to infiltrate mm-hmm. that meeting with uh, uh Robert Redford's character Alexander Pierce in Winter Soldier. Right, and she just pulls so. the face pulled, pretty much pulls the face off almost uh, Mission Impossible style with the exception well, Mission Impossible they, they pull it out and pull it in and mm-hmm. and but this took place they just kinda rub it off. <laughs> which is like, well you ain't gonna be able to put that back on, so your your disguise is pretty much wrong, which apparently it didn't really matter. Um because you know, and also FaceTime. Because you know they have to, they have to do that in these shows, which is slightly annoying. But um, but yeah, Sharon runs up on on. Um, oh yeah, because oh, uh, hold hold that thought real quick. Okay. Quick note: I thought it was kind of weird. It it took me really off guard when the I want to say it was probably NYPD um, had court. You know, it was probably uh, cordoned off you know, like the security for this GRC meeting mm-hmm. and they just let Bucky in. They were just like Sergeant Barnes. Right. I was just like, Oh snap. Well, you I'm, know, I'm he, assuming they knew he was coming, you know, in, in some right. kind of capacity, but yeah, that was kind of weird. So right. That, you know, it was just kind of weird that they were just like sight on, you know, uh, on site. They were like, Oh, we know you, you're, you're okay to let through. Right. As opposed to the other time has been right. Right. Uh, but then again, that was actually for a slightly different reason. Still, kind of weird. I get, yeah, I'm which kind of with you on that. Because um, like, hey, they just just let them slide through, huh? Right. But then I was just like, yeah, like I said, they they must have known they were going to be on scene. 
Um, so yeah, Sam was talking about talking about got some backup, and then this is when Sharon Carter kind of rolls up on him, take the um, take the um, um, the mask off, and and, uh, and they kind of keep going. Now, when Sam said he had backup, I honestly for like two seconds thought he meant um, Joaquin. But I figured like that's that would be something that would come in if it was going to come in. That would be something that was going to come in like later in the episode, which for right. alert, did not happen. But um, I assume that's going to be for something else. We know that's about that's uh, coming up that we've got window. But we'll talk about that in a minute. So yeah, um, Sharon tells Bucket to relax. There's no one's looking for her in the U.S. right now, which I find that kind of hard to believe. I'm like, well, if that's the case, shouldn't she just be coming going back and forth? When she knows, you know, like, yeah, she's, she's still kind of persona la grata, but still like, okay, so you just kind of come in under the radar or maybe she has been, we don't know, you know, cause she was seemed awfully worried about it when, you know, at the time that, uh, when, when they, when they ran them, ran into her. So it's kind of weird. Anywho, um, oh Lord, why do I keep losing this page? So anyway, um, so Sam hears Sharon's voice, and then thanks for the, for coming coming through. Um, the power's still out, and the tear gas goes through, and the people scatter. And Carly, um, they they realize that Carly's not trying to enter through the building; they're trying to force everybody out. Which, like I said, um, and then comes flying this, in. I was about to say this was very Die Hard. Kinda, yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, I just thought I was just like, oh, this is Die Hard. It's like you know they have a plan. They they they're, they're trying to force everyone to do something. Mm-hmm. Right, like they were trying to get everybody to go to the to, to the roof on and uh in Die Hard. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they could blow the roof. Anyway. Right. I'm uh, sorry to step on your moment. I know no, you're no. excited. No, no, this. you're good, you're good, you're good. So yeah. So in comes which I thought we were gonna get like um I know they only had like a an hour, so this so they, they were gonna do something like this anyway. Um so in comes flying in is one um, Captain America, aka Sam Wilson, flying in with his comic accurate, uh, pretty fairly comic accurate um, costume through a window. You know, well, at first he throws the shield through the window, and then he is, um, and it bounces off of somebody. He catches his eye as he comes through, and we see him just kind of land. I'm like, all right, they did, they did good by the suit. Um, which I will go ahead and say right now before we uh, I'm gonna just go ahead and just drop some news over here. Apparently, those aren't fake muscles, so we can just skip that part of the, in the news section. <laughs> Somebody, That's just matter of fact, aim. why on earth would they be fake muscles? Because at the end of the day, um, we know that he's been working. You know, he that he's worked out since he was Falcon. Right, but also you know? they've no. used fake muscles for some of the costumes before, for other costumes before. So it's not outside the realm of possibilities that they they could have done it. Right. So, but yeah, the, the fact that he and that he came, pretty much came out and said that um, um, that yes, it's fake muscles and uh, a little bit of something else that'll come up a little bit um later. But anyway, um. So Sam comes through the um, it's Captain America one's agents and the uh, the, the team gets evacuated. She pretty much says, "Hey, it's a misdirector," and they're trying to get everybody out. Um, and then he gets attacked by Batroc the Leaper, who's come back for some revenge. Which I guess it this kind of harkens back to uh, when we first meet Batroc in um, in the Winter Soldier, in kind of a way. 
because Cap gets his new suit or his new suit at the time. And then he ends up fighting Batroc first off. I guess. I mean, at the end of the day, what they're trying to do is, you know, the way I saw it was Mm -hmm. that they're trying to display how different uh, Sam Wilson's going to be as Captain America. Mm -hmm. Right? And I kind of giggled because some people really took offense to the fact that Batroc takes uh, uh, Sam's shield throw down with the office chair. And... You know, they, they and they're doing a little bit of hand to hand, and I'm just like, Sam's about to get his butt kicked. He's got to do something, right? Because that's Batroc is no slouch, right? And as people have been saying on the internet, Sam can't fight. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and what ends up happening is, uh, 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 Sam Wilson has to, um, uh, kind of create a quick diversion so that he, ha- you know, because he has to do something falcony. Right. Which we see a little bit of that, and we see a couple of, you know, uh, a couple of flips and whatnot, and use, some use of the uh, jetpack, or, or the wings, uh, in a couple of couple of instances. So, yeah, you, you get to see little bits of that. It's a fight that just kind of goes until, um, until it doesn't. <laughs> exactly. Because, uh, yeah, all the, while, all the while Sam's fighting him, fighting them, basically Bucky and Sharon Carter are charged with uh, uh, taking care of the rest of the Flag Smashers. Um, to which, and this was the weird part. So, um, so, so they get their, they pretty much get their assignments. Bucky goes to do this one, then Sherry goes to do another thing. He sees a, uh, a Flag Smasher, goes to chase it, and then this other just random woman, who obviously is a supporter, um, just like, hey, you got a phone call. So the basically the flag smashers knew where they where they were. <laughs> like just hands her hands Bucky a phone and he's just like, okay, I'm just gonna take this random phone and stop what I'm doing right. to take this call. <laughs> I'm like, you, you... I was about to say part of it is probably Sam Wilson's influence, you know, because Bucky thinks he's gonna try to talk her down, right? And. You know, part of that plays into what Carly wants to do anyway, which is distract and right. delay because uh, she doesn't need uh, Bucky on her tail. And that's essentially what his task is. That's that's where we get the you had one job line. Exactly. Which was I was about to say. Exactly. So I'm sitting here like you could walk and talk while you're trying to chase this dude down or something. Be less of a distraction. Be less distracted than you were. But no, he just full tilt stops, takes a call, talks to Carly, you know. And then it wasn't until he got off the phone until he realized, oh, wait. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, Bucky, come on, you're better than this, dude. Or you should be better than this. Anyway, I don't know. Um, so, uh, but yeah, Carly's talking about, are you tired of this? And they, they have a little talk to talk about it. And he mentions, uh, which somebody somebody pointed this out on a um, on one of the video, on Easter egg videos. Um, Bucky really hadn't had a win through the whole of MCU. Because remember, because he was, because uh, he pretty much lost, quote, 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 lost his life on the train in Captain in first, in first Avenger. Then he got uh, snapped uh, in in um, in um, in Infinity War. And like, granted, yeah, he kind of, you know, he was he was there, but he didn't really help. I mean, he helped, but he didn't actually get any like um, he didn't take anybody down basically, or or do anything that 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 that. Um, 
that helped him. So when that line about, I was like, yeah, I tried to save the world twice, and you know, the, you know, didn't quite, quite, quite go. I was like, oh yeah, there was there was that whole thing. So and then I really didn't think about that at the time. But anyway, so he gets distracted. That happens. Uh, they they get up on the phone. Because, yeah, the line is, uh, all I ever tried to do is, uh, it's all I ever tried to do, and I failed twice. Was about, some, you know. Work I was about to say, I'm like, we're not counting Endgame, dude. I mean, yeah, he was there, and he did it, but apparently they're not. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> He's so. just thinking about the two big times. Right. Like, yeah, he was in the mix in Endgame, so yeah, that's not, that's not for nothing. And he was also in the mix for uh, Infinity War, so that's not, like I said, none of that's for nothing. It's just that he he didn't, like, take anybody significantly down i guess you know it was just a weird line i, I yeah. bumped on it a little bit mm. but you know at the end of the day you know uh, the 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 episode moves along because they uh, uh bucky and uh sharon are pursuing mm-hmm. uh these uh grc hostages as they're being um transported away from uh the chrysler building and they're moving to a construction site, apparently, and that's that was the site that uh, Carly has apparently chosen to uh, do the deed, as it were, and create a bunch of martyrs or, or a bunch of uh, 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 sacrifices for their cause. Right. So Sharon managed to take down one of the uh, flag smashers um, while Bucky was distracted. But like I said, like uh, Agent Seventy just said, uh, folks get away on the chopper. Um, which means that Sam needs to go because neither neither one of the rest of them are flyers. So, um, so yeah, Sam leaves a uh, Batroc in the dust, goes off after the off, after the helicopter, um, and that's where they end up going to this other thing. And that was a kind of in in the midst of this, they they ended up being a nice little scene where um, a, a cool little action piece where where Sam's like, uh, "Hey, let's see if there's anybody to you know gives the idea to see if anybody could uh, fly the helicopter." Um, using Red Wing, and then he kind of somehow taps into uh, her cell phone, which you know apparently doesn't get you know the the, the pilots you know too busy flying the plane, obviously, or flying the helicopter actually to to notice this or anything or anybody around her. So they get this hand to kind of take care of that, and they do, and she gets the helicopter to take that down. So that gets up happening, and then like uh, Agent Seven said, they get to this um, construction site. Um. Um. So you got one truck that's rescued. Um, um, uh, oh yes, uh, let's see. Carly says it's on the last truck. She pins the accelerator and bails on it. So she basically uses that, uh, kind of use that as a um, as thing because I think Bucky ends up catching up with her, and they were like use it, use that as a, a distraction because they need somebody to save or it needs to save. Um, and uh, John Walker comes in, tries to try to join into the fight with Carly and them. But then, like I said, this is when his other distraction comes uh, comes up, uh, and John Walker chooses to save the other truck, or try to save the other truck, uh, which he doesn't do, which is slightly surprising. But at the same time, like, okay, I get what ended up happening happens. But you would think they would have been like, okay, could all of them have not helped out at that at some point? But it is what it is. Um, I mean, I know they were like in different places at the time when the, the, the that last truck was kind of coming to where. So there was this last truck that got pretty much uh, was on top of this construction site some kind of way, 
and uh, was used as a distraction and was about to get toppled off of a, uh, off the ledge. And that's when John Walker tries to save it. He doesn't necessarily do it, so it keeps going down a little bit more. Um, and then Sam arrives <clears throat> and uh, pretty much pushes, with the help of two jets, uh, two extra jets that he's got, pushes it back up and everybody applauses and and uh, one uh, person was like, yeah, it's, it's, that's uh, Black Falcon right there. And the, and the other dude next to him was like, no, that's Captain America right there. That's America's ass. Um, they didn't say that, but last part. Uh, see, so so Carly's like, um, what, like you bought into the, the Stars and Stripes bit, huh? Was like then they're talking and fighting and, and um, uh, some gas grenades come, get dropped, which was from Batrock. Uh, who creates a smoke screen so that um, Carly and them could get away. Um, and then uh, Sam, Bucky, and John Walker all go into the, uh, to the to, I'm assuming it's the sewers or some underground t- tunnel, uh, and they split up to, uh, against uh, Batrock and the rest of the, uh, the uh, Flax Matchers. Uh, which leads into, which somehow, like, and I kind of felt like this was going to happen, Sharon ends up being the one to find Carly first somehow, just like Zemo did a couple of episodes back. And I'm saying, like, how did she do that? And how did Zemo do that in the first place? Like, they couldn't have known these places that well. Maybe they do. I don't know. Uh, or maybe they did the same thing that that Bucky ends up, ended up doing um, uh, in a little in a little while. But um, excuse me. So Carly and Sharon talk. Apparently, um, we come to find out that Sharon Carter is the power broker, much to people's dismay on the internet. <laughs> the e- which, I was hoping for uh, Fifty Cent Curtis, the actual yeah, Curtis Jackson, same uh, that he would show up. But you know, I was disappointed. And I'll just go ahead and put this right here. There's also uh, starting off. Apparently, there was a meme coming up from this about she's a scroll, which is the supposedly the new uh, Mephisto. I'm saying like no. I mean, I'll get, you know, like once we, you know, once we kind of wrap the the yeah, the, I know, the, but I didn't I'll to, get to, yeah. I'll get to some of our, you know, at least some of my uh, quibbles with this. Yeah, we can, yeah, we can wrap back around to it. But I just just mentioning it here real quick. Um, so yeah, so they start talking and and um, uh, Batrock comes in and is like, oh, so you're the power broker, so which means Batrock knows that uh, Sharon is a power broker, and he's like, well, I'm gonna tell. <laughs> you know, but you're gonna give me more of a cut, which ends up um uh pretty much ends up uh who wait, who shot him? One of them shot him. Um I think it was Sharon Carter. Yeah, because that part doesn't necessarily get clear. Cause there was a little bit happening on, on that part. Mm-hmm. Well, because they all had guns pointed at each other. Right. Because Carly had so, a gun, right? Carly had a gun. Sharon had a gun. I think Patrick was the only one who didn't, or maybe he did. I don't remember. I think he might have, but at the end of the day, you know, there was there was at least two guns that we could see pointed in different directions. So it's hard to tell. Right. Right. So and then Sam comes around the corner after that um, and sees Batrock dead. Sharon's on the ground because Sharon also got shot in the, in in the in the midst of this, and uh, Carly's uh, standing over her with a gun. Uh, Sam tries to talk her down again. They get into a fight, um, which leads Sharon ending up shooting uh, Carly. 
Um, and then Sam goes to Carly. Um, she, but she bleeds out in a in a kind of an emotional moment. Um, really? Kinda. kinda. I mean, I didn't think so, but go on. I mean, a little bit, because like for Sam especially, because like he he didn't want her to, you know, you know, because you could kind of tell it was like he didn't want her to die. He didn't want it to happen. You know, he was trying to save her, so he, right. I guess he's taking that as a, as a failing because he didn't. But you know. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I with that part. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, uh, Bucky and John Walker get to, uh, you know, um, basically lead the rest of the Flag Smashers to a spot using the, the app that apparently Bucky had on his phone that Carly gave him, or a phone that Carly gave him, um, the Flag Smashers app, which I'm sitting here thinking like, wait, why didn't they use that in the first place uh, for a couple other things in the last couple of episodes? But, you know, or maybe they did. We don't know. So in the police get that- ten, it's because the actual Flag Smasher app that the public gets isn't the same as the insider Flag Smasher app. That's probably true. You're right. You're probably right. So, uh, yeah, he must have picked that off of, uh, uh, oh, yeah, right, because it was the, still the same phone that he had from, um, from earlier. That's what I suspected, right? Yeah. What I suspected is that he used um, the the more official app or the higher level app, maybe. you know, the higher, you know, the one the one with more access to, to, to pull something like that off. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. So regardless, yeah, so they, so, so they, they pretty much wrap up the rest of those flag sessions with the help of the police. Um... To which I'm thinking, I wonder how they bound them. <laughs> like, were they prepared for the fact that these were super soldiers, or not? You know, because well, at the end of the, I was about to say, at the, uh, uh, they have some experience now with superpowered uh, uh, beings because they have created something like the raft. Sure. So yeah, you can assume that. Yeah. Right. We have to. We have to kind of presume, not necessarily assume, but presume that. Like the bigger police departments have um, uh, superpowered restraints, right. you know, restraints for people with superpowers, right? Or even in the real world, smaller, smaller departments with enough guns to start a war. But anyway, that's that's neither here nor there. So yeah, uh, they said the, um, that they were going to take the flag smashers to the raft of all places, uh, which would be the place for for them to go. But that doesn't happen because apparently they get blown up in transit by I did not know who this person was or I didn't recognize who this really? person was oh, okay. uh, at the first because I was like wait who's this oh, the, oh right and it's uh, Zemo's uh, butler mm-hmm. and then we get cut to see Zemo finding out about it uh, in his in his uh, cell at the raft so I was like well we know okay clearly he has something to do with that um proving that he still has reach even though he's in he's in the raft of all places <laughs> um so uh cap uh aka sam comes from comes flying out of the tunnels with um with uh carly in arms and um you know uh goes to where they're where the ambulances are puts her on the stretcher um and then uh we see reporters and, and a bunch of people um and and the senators from the GRC meeting uh, are 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 there so sam pretty much goes into talking with the the couple of senator, senators that are there and um and he goes into his big uh, captain america his first big captain america monologue about the you know about um the power that they have 
and what they could be doing. And you know, the and the, he brings up um, Endgame and in, in Infinity War. Basically, he brings up Thanos. Basically, and saying that the senators got uh, un, pretty much got pretty much has as much power as um, as Thanos did, and saying that they pretty much telling them to do better. So, um, to which. Sure, I guess it was, it was an effective enough speech, and then that happens, and then he walks off, and then there was a nice little, um, it was a cute little line with Bucky, so my, um, um, sorry, I zoned out after, um, not as zoned out, but it was like, I, I didn't catch anything after, uh, <laughs> I'm a black man with the shield, and then, you know, they have a nice little buddy moment, then there, and then they go talk to Sharon Carter, who's off, off her on the side, um, Yeah, I believe I don't think there was anything else with that. And the, the the words terrorist, refugee, and thugs are, are are used in the course of that speech, which you know we we know are pretty much um, you know real world words that are used for reasons. Um, and then, but while the while Sam's talking, we get we um you know we get cut to Isaiah and Eli and Joaquin, who's all watching the broadcast, also and Sarah, who's also watching the the um, the news that this is getting. Um, that thing broadcast on while Sam does it, tell the speech. Like I said, the Sam Bucky moment, they go check on Sam, uh, Sharon, who um, who apologizes for how things ended in the tunnel, and then they try to convince her to get checked out, which he gets stubbornly doesn't do. Uh, then the agent comes and says, um, hey, there's a one more, that, uh, that other flag smasher that you threw into the river is still, um, you know, we still need to grab him. So Sam kind of goes off and helps um uh, helps collect that dude um and then this is when we get the uh the scene with zemo and the uh, exploding uh flag smashers um uh, we see him in, in the cell of the raft um so that's pretty much getting well cleaned up then we cut to apparently this is dc where where they are but we see um uh, one Countess Va- Countess of Valentina Allegra de Fontaine with John Walker's wife, and they're talking. And it's like, what is it keeping him for long? And it's like, it's, it's probably the helmet. And then this is when we see John Walker coming back out as uh, the U.S. agent, and even invokes the uh, Valentina in, evokes the name U.S. agent, which kind of comes off slightly lame, but the, the name was already kind of lame. <laughs> Um, and actually there was a, so I, this is where, uh, another Easter egg kind of comes in because, uh, John calls her Val and someone mentioned that maybe they're trying to, to, uh, clump her in with Val Cooper, who was his liaison. So maybe she's like to stand in for, for that in this uh, situation. Um, but yeah, John Walker says he's back, which is also another comic book reference because when he came back as the, um, as the U.S. agent and then... We finally get to another actual touching uh, moment in the, in the show. We see Sam going back to see um, uh, Isaiah uh, back at his house, and they talk for a little bow. And then Sam's like, uh, "Come on, I'm going to show you. Got to um, you know, I want to show you something." And then Eli's like, "Where are we going?" So they end up going back to the Smithsonian, and they caught, um, we go through to see the part of the um, museum, the Captain American Museum. Um, uh, piece that we saw in the first episode, but with a little bit more to it. Uh, and Sam's takes them to where uh, basically a statue and some other uh, memorabilia and stuff has been uh, erected, has been put up. 
to pretty much tell, you know, to, they gave Isaiah his moment, his uh, his uh, Smithsonian moment. So now everybody knows what he did for the country, and um, you know, and 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 what the government did to him, uh, presumably. You know, which was a good moment. You know, which was a um, like I said, that was a real touching moment between between Sam and Isaiah. Then you know, uh, there. Um, I believe that was there more to that. Um, I can't remember. Yeah, he, Sam says like, now they'll never forget what you did for this country, never. And then that's when um, you know Isaiah and Sam kind of hug it out, and then. In another moment, uh, leading out, uh, we see uh, Brooke, Bucky back in Brooklyn, and he goes to see, which we knew, we probably knew this part was coming. Um, uh, he goes to see Yuri at his apartment and finally tells Yuri what uh, happened to his son and then leaves. Which, like, yeah, I'm, gl- I'm kind of glad they didn't show, well, they, they didn't show all of it. They didn't show him actually saying, I mean, well, that's part of it. They didn't show, you know, the, the part after that. they showed some, they showed reaction, but they didn't go too far along with that, you know, which, you know, I, I guess I get why they didn't. Right. They uh, toned down any possible histrionics. Right. Exactly. So, uh, Bucky leaves and then, uh, we see the Dr. Rayner from the, from the first couple of episodes, uh, in her office and finds a, a package. I don't know how Bucky got into, broke into her office, but, um, your soldier. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I think there's a reason why they're not. Well, I mean, we'll get to this in the in the wrap up. But go ahead. Right. Uh, so she opens it up and finds the book, basically Steve's book that uh, Bucky had with all the names crossed out, and it says, uh, "I finished the book. Thanks for all your help, Doc." Um, which he probably should have kept the book. But anyway. Uh, then we cut back to Louisiana where, where, um, where Sam and the, his family are all celebrating and, you know, and, uh, there's a little get together going on. A big it's a shrimp get-together. oil. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it is uh, a literal shrimp oil. I mean, oil. it they is, yeah. Zoom in on it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then Bucky kind of, kind of rolls in to join in on the festivities. I thought he was going to roll up on Sarah, but apparently we didn't get, get to see too much of that. Um... Uh, so yeah, apparently, you know, like I said, Bucky, Bucky, um, you know, there's some, some nice moments in here with, um, you know, Bucky and the, and the kids and the, you know, everybody kind of laughing and having fun, um, and whatnot. And that's pretty much it with the exception of, um, the end credit scene. And I don't know if you want to take that. No, no, no. Keep talking. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm gonna let you get some some water after this finishes. Yeah, thank you. Because um, I'm gonna go to town after this. And be like, well, this is what annoyed me about this episode. All right, bet. So in so the, in the episode ends, the credits roll, and then there's an end credit scene or a mid credit scene. Well, technically end credit scene, regardless uh, semantics. Uh, where Sharon Carter is basically um, um, offered a full pardon in front of the same. Um, um, uh, hearing that we saw John Walker in front of uh, a couple of episodes back, uh, so she's got a full counting, you know, and, and they mentioned the family Carter family name, which again, you know, goes back to Peggy Carter. Peggy Carter. Um, 
and then it goes to her outside, like right outside, which I'm sitting here like, you couldn't wait till you got down the street to make this phone call. <laughs> so she phone calls and basically it's like, yep, I'm back with the, um, I'm back with the CIA. So line up some buyers because we got some, now we got access to some more stuff. She mentioned the fact that she was a power broker. Um, and yes, she also mentioned that, well, no more super, super soldiers, but you know, like I said, we got a whole bunch of other stuff. To which uh, apparently somebody's thinking that she might show up in Armor Wars because of this, but we'll we'll see if that's actually ever gonna if that's gonna happen. And that pretty much ends the uh, episode. Oh wait, before I forgot, because before the end credit scene, we see the Falcon and Winter Soldier logo turn into Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Right, definitely symbolic, and it, it means a lot for a lot of uh, uh, people who want to you know reinforce the fact that the mantle has passed. Mm-hmm. So that was cool to see. I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't, well, I guess I kind of figured near the halfway through the episode that they were going to possibly, that they were going to do that, but it was still good to see. And also kind of slightly got spoiled, spoiled because by the time I watched it, somebody had put that, um, put that titling up. Oh, I was about to say, you need to stay offline as hard as it is until you watch it. Yeah. Uh, Because they were posting that stuff early. Yes, they were. I noticed it. I noticed it. When I when I initially made my first social media check in at around ten thirty, right in the morning, I watched the episode earlier in the morning, mm. and uh, I was like, "Wow, that's really quick!" Right, you know, like, why are y'all... considering that the vast majority of people don't carve out breakfast time to watch it, at right. least on the East Coast. And even when I thought it was like probably a day later, I was like, "That's still too soon." What are you idiots doing? Like, why are you doing? Yeah, this? a lot of that stuff was going. A lot of that stuff was going up as early as like ten in the morning, mm-hmm. or even nine in the morning. And then, um, because I think I saw like a timestamp that it was like nine ish, right, Eastern time. And I was like, wow, that's really quick. That's not being very considerate. It's really not. So, all right. So I'll let Roddy Cat um, nope. take a few breaths and drink some water. To, to re-wet the whistle, I'm going to go into some of the things that I liked and definitely some of the things I did not like about this episode. Overall, I was very uh, much okay with this series and with the way this last episode tied up some loose ends and some plot threads, but definitely let some left some plot threads dangling for future resolution. Mm-hmm. And we're going to get into this future resolution in the news, but at the end of the day, we know now as a result of this series that um, not only is the door open for a possible second season, but there's definitely going to be a follow-up Captain America movie. Right. Not, we, don't know, we don't have a title for it yet, but it's definitely a fourth Captain America movie, but with Sam Wilson as Captain America. Right, and yeah, so we can strike that out of the news section also. Cause, yeah, we can kind of talk about that stuff so we can kind of not have to worry about it in the news section. Um, right, so, so, so ultimately when it comes to how they resolved some of the storylines in this, I'm going to kind of go in reverse order. I'll start with Sharon Carter. So... We both kind of suspected that she was going to end up being the power broker, despite the fact that we really wanted 50 Cent to show up <laughs> and actually have an incredible crossover with his actual name being the actual character's name in the co- in the comics, at least the original power broker. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's a couple things here that I wanted to go over. One, the the fact that Sharon Carter has a heel turn 
forgive me for the re- the wrestling reference, is not out of the ordinary. It's not out of left field. It's actually comic based. Right. You know this this stuff actually was written into the comics in the '90s when Sharon Carter was brought back literally from the dead. Right. Mm-hmm. There is a point in time when Sharon Carter is killed off in the Captain America uh, comic book series. In I want to say the early '80s, maybe even the, the 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 late '70s, but definitely she was gone when I initially started reading the Cap books. I want to say it was probably early '80s, mm-hmm. and uh, she had been gone for the longest time. And in '90, you know, this is we're literally talking just before Marvel handed the Captain America book over to Rob Liefeld during Heroes Reborn, the first Heroes Reborn, where Mark Wade brought back Sharon Carter. And it's revealed that she had, in a sense, broke bad, but at least had, but but definitely was, if not bad, bad, like power broker bad, but definitely had been doing some um, uh, spy stuff to uh, keep herself uh, uh, support, you know, to support herself and to make sure that, you know, and, and to, um, uh, uh, you know, just, just kind of uh, uh, get by. But it's definitely implied that she was not always, you know, th- is there ever really a right side when you're doing spy stuff? But right. ultimately, that's where she is during this entire time that she's been burned by S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, you know, from from way back when, and that's essentially what is portrayed here. So it's not out of the ordinary. So when the theories about her being possibly a scroll came up, I was like, no, this is not, no, this is not unprecedented. This yeah. is actually something out of the comics. It's just that they adapted the identity of the power broker. Right. Yeah. People so are. You know, <laughs> I know. I know the speculation runs wild on the internet, especially when it comes to, you know, come on. You know, is she Mephisto now? Is she under right. Mephisto's control? Exactly. Or yeah, and they just basically just don't, like didn't want it to be her because it feels like it was something that wasn't even like that was something that was pretty much telegraphed. Um, right. But at the but but ultimately, it for for myself, it made sense as long as you accept the fact that she was not blipped and that she was you know left right. behind and unfortunately. Uh, with the uh, the blip or the snapping uh, happening, uh, you know, Captain America was left behind, and obviously, you know, uh, uh, dealing with Sharon's uh, uh, legal situation wasn't exactly on his radar because she went underground. Right. So it's not like he had a a, a chance to um, uh, resolve that particular plot line. Right. It was just you know it it just sort of was there. You know, he had, I hate to say this, bigger fish to fry during during the the snapping, Mm -hmm. you know, during the five years after uh, Thanos snapped the the gauntlet. So that's one thing that, you know, I'm okay with, you know, her her breaking bad moment or at least, you know, having her being burned by the CIA and and the U.S. government and her, you know, doing other things to uh, stay afloat. I'm okay with that. And she doesn't have to be a scroll. Right. And this was just like I said, um, probably a couple of episodes back. um, And what I told other people was like, no. And as you just said yourself, like, yeah, no, she had time. She definitely had time to, you know, to make this move, make these kind of moves while half the planet was gone. 
you know, potentially even the original uh, or whoever was the power broker before her, if they, if there even was a person before her, you know, there was time for her to do all of this stuff. So it's like it it makes perfect sense, and I know people didn't want that to be the case, but like that's kind of silly. But at the end of the day, like I said, it's not unprecedented. Right. It's not out of left field for me. But I, you know, I, I I've been reading uh, Cap comics for a while now, so right. uh, so that wasn't that surprising. But that's what I'm saying. Even uh, if, but it, excuse me, if if you haven't read Cap comics, even in the, the in in line with the MCU, like I said, everything we just said and what you just said could still be valid. You know what I'm saying? Right. Especially given the five year right. time jump. Mm-hmm. It's that five-year time jump and, and, and the fact that it's not made explicitly clear that she was around for the five years. Right. You know, if they had just said that, if she had, if they had just dropped the line in that said, you know, uh, from Civil War till now, this is what I've been doing. Mm-hmm. I've been around that whole time. Right. It's just sort of implied. That's unfortunate. Which, right. Yeah. Which it is what it is, you know. Like I said, we, right. it, it was caught. So, right. So at the end of the day, that's you know that's that, that that's what my feelings on Sharon. I don't know if you have a different perspective on it. No, I'm kind of with you. Yeah. Okay. So the next thing, the next issue I, that that I wanted to pick was, and it's a minor one, is uh, you know I was disappointed that Bucky didn't get to uh, get with the. Uh, <laughs> The, the waitress chick didn't get to apologize, oh, but yeah. I understood exactly why they played it the way they did because uh, Yori needed comforting. Mm-hmm. So I definitely understood that. Right. Um, and and all going on that part, yeah, so my earlier theory in the first episode that she was someone else other than just, just some person uh, or, you know, just a, a potential love interest for Bucky or somebody, you know, a... a uh, whatever um, was not the case. So, mm-hmm. so next up is so the uh, the the the, uh, the museum uh, display in the Smithsonian. So apparently, this is supposed to be in this uh, Air and Space Museum. Mm-hmm. You know the the Captain America exhibit that they've now made an addition to. What what I was kind of annoyed by is that I did read some of the text. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the text did make it onto the internet because you know people were able to take still photos, uh, you know, screen grabs, and 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 see it. But I wanted to see the whole thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I was hoping to be able to read, you know, exactly how they resolved what happened to Isaiah in right. that on that uh, uh, museum uh, museum piece. Right. Right. You know, because they we... talk about his mission, they talk about what happened to him, but we don't get to actually read the part about how they own up to how they screwed him. Right. All so we get was, uh, was Sam's line about by. that. Right. What's that? It's all we get is Sam's line about. Not, now they all know. Not everybody would know what you did and, and what happened, basically. Right. That was, that so, was I mean, that's a minor quibble. Yeah. Um, but I definitely would have liked to be able to see what would the entirety of what was on that display. But I thought that was a nice touch. And maybe that'll um, be out there somewhere. I'm sorry. I said, and maybe that'll be out there somewhere. Right. Uh, I'm hoping so. I'm hoping so because it definitely looked like they went to the trouble of having something engraved, you know, mm-hmm. uh, something uh, uh, put onto uh, what looked like a stone tablet, you know. Mm-hmm. So I hope that that is uh, uh, published somewhere in its uh, entirety. Um, 
My next quibble was uh, John Walker. How they decided to give him a little bit of redemption here yeah. in this episode. And I did not think it was necessary at all. Agreed. It was not necessary to have him listen to his better angels and try to help out. And to also have him acknowledge the fact that Sam Wilson was getting the recognition as Captain America. Mm-hmm. Right? Just keep him the big jerk face that he is. And I'm sure there will be plenty of other moments where that will be the case if they're setting up what I'm thinking they are, what we're thinking they are. Right. And I'm sure I'm sure they will, too. But I, I didn't think it was necessary to include in this episode. I agree. I, I totally agree with that. So um, uh, let's see here. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, they even have him kind of being buddy buddy like, you know, he. Uh, he quotes a he, he quotes an Abraham Lincoln line and and, and Bucky calls him on it and they yes. you know kind of do a little bit of banter and I'm like no that's John Walker stop that exactly yeah I was like why would you I was even like yeah no Bucky was pretty much saying what I was saying I'm like no no you don't get to do that Mm-mm. right so uh, if there's one thing that overall um, you know this is kind of like I'm uh, uh, putting in a little bit of my. Uh, overall uh, uh, quibbles with the uh, about this series is that they really have uh, the term. I, my understanding of the term in video game is nerf. <laughs> yes. Right. Okay. But they really neutered the Winter Soldier in this series. Obviously, it's Disney Plus. It's not a. It's not a movie. They're not trying to do R rated. He's not the Punisher. He's you know, uh, it's not like. It's it's supposed to be somewhat teen to kid friendly, right? And I understand that, but he's just going in there with his arm and his super soldier version of the serum, his Russian version of the super soldier serum, pumping through his veins. I, I don't know if it's the actual, you know, uh, Erskine serum or not. Yeah, right. No, right. But but ultimately. That's what that's what he goes into combat with, and I guess it's supposed to be emblematic of him trying to emulate Steve Rogers. But give him some more knives, give him some more guns, <laughs> have him be more deadly. Uh, I know he's not supposed to hurt people; it's part of his therapy. But he could wound him. I, you know. What's that? But he could, you know, like yeah, like boot, shoot him in the kneecap or something, shoot him in the pinky toe. But end, right, but at the end of the day, it just felt like they were really toning down his deadliness. Right, and I was unhappy about that. Uh, I don't know how you felt about it, but I definitely felt like they really toned his uh, combat levels or his combat power. Like he's definitely not, you know, th- this is a, a a shout out to a Dragon Ball. Where his key's not like, uh, or his chi's not exactly uh, ranking at a high attack power or attack level. Right. I mean, and to be fair, they they were dealing with uh, a bunch of super soldiers, so pretty much on par. You might as well say uh, with each other. I mean, the only thing he has a leg up on is his arm. <laughs> um, but you know, like I said, you know, not a little knife work. You know, they teased it. They teased it the entire show, like where he's flipping a knife here and there. Right. You know, they did it when, um, uh, what call it? Uh, uh, I forget who they were fighting before uh, the Dora came. Uh, were they other flag smashers? I think they were see. flag smashers. Yeah, that, yeah, yes, because they had caught up with Carly um, before that. Yeah. So that was really the only time you get to see 
uh, uh, Bucky even hold any sort of weapon. Right. You know, like I said, it, it was just uh, I was disappointed by that. Um, uh, let's see. Oh, and the last thing before I, I, I wrap up my little semi mini rant is I know there was a couple of articles that wonder exactly what uh, the composition of the Falcon's costume and wings Mm, yes, it is, and we can get into that. And my, these are my assumptions. I know that there are articles that that we have in the news about this. These are my assumptions. When I first went into watching this, mm. I assumed that the wings were vibranium or mm. some sort of vibranium alloy, right? Because that's the whole point of them coming from Wakanda, right? right? Yeah, I just assumed because that's just that, my assumption, right? Right, and yeah, I, it was a, it yeah, was a pretty decent. Yeah, it was a pretty decent assumption because of that case that came from Wakanda. Like, yeah, those were totally vibranium wings. So exactly. So that so that helps uh, Sam out by by taking away one of the big um, weaknesses that he had, which is having the wings break. They happened in uh, they hap- it happened in this series already once, and it also happened when he fought Bucky in Winter Soldier. Where Bucky, you know, snagged the wings with the with the with a uh, a cable or whatever, and he yanked them right, right out of the the backpack that he had mm-hmm. during that big you know climactic um, helicarrier fight at the end of uh, Winter Soldier. Right. So that takes away that particular weakness, which is great, or lessens so, it because I mean, you know, well, random can still well, be. Well, I mean, yeah, you have to be pretty, you know, at least here in the MCU, you have to be pretty powerful to be right. able to do something serious to Thanos uh, vibranium right Thanos level if you would exactly 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 uh, but so 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 we're gonna presume uh, I was presuming not we I was presuming that the the, the jetpack the wings would be vibranium mm-hmm. what I was hoping they would show right to help out Sam who obviously says in this episode that he doesn't have any sort of super soldier serum no fighter rays no anything right it's just him and uh they even show that when he tries to throw the shield and Batrock knocks it away with an office chair but <laughs> what i was hoping which made me giggle because i know people were going to get annoyed but i'm like no but that's real right <laughs> that just seems real to me right um what i was hoping that they would show is someone taking a pot shot at Sam and having the bullet bounce off his vibranium mesh costume. Right, because we still don't know whether that is right. I was honestly hoping that that would be part of this very generous gift that Mm -hmm. the the Wakandans have given to Sam Wilson, which is is an actual vibranium suit. Right, but... You know what? Having Sam, which we didn't necessarily, we kind of, kind of walked over, but um, in in um, in chasing down that one helicopter, you know, he did actually save uh, a person himself and a person from getting mashed by the helicopter as it was uh, careening across the bridge um, with you know with his wings. So that's no slouch. You know, and that's when we kind of we knew for a fact that was like, yeah, we, well, we, which we already knew, like that's got to be vibranium because there is no way in the world just no regular uh, wings is just going to take the brunt of a or just you know the helicopter is just going to bounce off of a uh, uh, bounce off of those wings like that. Right. right. I mean, we already it had already it had already been established that 
the stark improvements to the wings had made them more bulletproof and more resilient because he's able to stab some Thanos minions with with the wings in, mm-hmm. in Endgame, right? But uh, And obviously, you know, in Civil War, he's deflecting uh, bullets with the wings and whatnot, right? I was kind of halfway... Yeah, Oh, I was kind of halfway showing that they were going to do the. So, in. Um, I can't remember if it was Earth Minded Heroes or Avengers Assemble, the cartoon. Uh, mm-hmm. The wings can shoot out like uh, vibranium winglets or whatever the case may be, or, you know, feathers or whatever the Wait, case may like be. Archangel? Yeah, basically. So, I was kind of hoping, like, are we going to get a mo- moment like that? And we didn't get that. Okay, hold on. I'm reacting to the 20th pick of the NFL draft, oh, and geez. the Giants have taken a wide receiver. Why are you taking a wide receiver at 20? <laughs> what the hell is wrong with you, uh, Dave Gettleman? That was a great trade to get a bunch of picks, but now you're taking a wide receiver. To- oh, what the hell are you doing? And while he okay. doing, yeah, and while he was doing that, we'll we'll wrap back around to the what you mentioned about the suit. So um, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. You, you, uh, you, you had something to add about the suit. So yeah. So the, I'm I'm showing right now. Uh, if you're watching the video version, I am showing one of the couple of articles about the suit, and uh, wrapping back around when saying that uh, Mike, Anthony Anthony Mackie says that the Captain America suit doesn't have fake muscles. We kind of talked about that already, uh, and that he's been working out. So you know, we, when he was on um, Colbert, he mentioned this, and uh, Colbert is apparently holding um, a Marvel figure of the the Cap suit. Um, but also, yeah, it's, the diamond, it's the Diamond Select figure. I watched. I, I saw the episode. Oh, okay, nice. Um, but also, he also confirms apparently that the the wings are made of vibranium, which we just talked about in that self same interview. So, <laughs> I like he says that one hundred percent the best vibranium CGI I can buy. Nah. So, so that was cute. Um, but yeah, you can watch that. Um, you can watch that interview from uh, on um, the Colbert Report. Uh, wait, no, wait. it's not the Colbert Report. Oh, yeah, you're right. It's, it's late, the late show. You're right. With you're, right. Stephen Colbert. you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Going by his old <laughs> his old joint. Exactly. <laughs> um, but also, I guess in 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 uh, to kind of wrap this up a little bit. Uh, there's a couple of more things that's in the news about this. Um, so after the episode, well, before the episode, I should say, uh, Disney Plus drops uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier watch list for the season for yet finale, which um, you, know, you know, if anybody still hasn't watched it by now, I guess you can take take advantage of. I do know some people who are doing like uh, MCU catches up catch ups before um, before watching this. Mm-hmm. So and the, the, it's the obvious ones, Captain. The, both of the Captain America movies, uh, all three of the Captain America movies: uh, Age of Ultron, Black Panther, and Infinity War. So not surprised. Oh wait, and oh, they even do the, they even have it in a like a notebook type fashion, and like into the the Steve and Bucky's notebook. Um. But yeah, you, again, you can see the uh, the Twitter the, the the Twitter note here. Um, and even go into that. Uh, so they say Infinity War in game, and then that Marvel Legends Falcon, uh, then the Winter Soldier. Wait, I didn't know they did uh, those Marvel Studios Legends for um, anybody outside of Bucky and, and uh, Bucky and Falcon. Because apparently, no, they Sharon and Zemo. I think right. Apparently, it says his Zemo and Sharon. So I have to go back and look at those, even though I already kind of know, you know. Right. Yeah, I was about to say, th- those aren't necessarily meant for people like us. Right. 
But um, do you have in the news that they are doing another assembled special, but this time for Bucky and uh, for for uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier? I do not have that actually. But that, I think that news actually came out today. So tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen, the end of April, uh, my, uh, I'm going to see if I can get a link to uh, Roddy Cat, but they're definitely going to put out a making of Falcon and the Winter Soldier documentary similar to the making of WandaVision um, and they're going to put that out uh, and make an assembled documentary which is probably going to be standard practice tomorrow. right which is probably going to be standard practice for these for these shows right um, but so let's see to kind of let's see so yeah so after the after uh, the finale uh, the MCU's new Captain America is now on Twitter official. So basically, the the Captain America account that was on Twitter, Twitter that's that was quote unquote Steve's has now changed over to Bucky's. Um, what do you mean, Sam's? Sam's. Excuse me, Sam. Sorry. Um, I was about to say you're you're keeping the comic book continuity. I know, right? Um, <laughs> so let's see. It says here the, the old Captain, which I did not know there was one, but. Uh, the header image was uh, Steve's from Endgame, but now you can see um, uh, Wilson standing on profile, uh, head turned, donning his full cap garb. Furthermore, the bio now reads on your left, which is the first. Oh, thing. I forgot! I forgot one last thing. I was very annoyed about. Uh, Why did they kill off Batroc? Yeah, not, that thought that was, that thought was kind of a weird choice. But I was well, kind of surprised they didn't they kill him. Off, in, um, you know, like a, a a perfectly usable, you know, minor villain. Well, I mean, Cap's got a few couple more they could bring in, but yeah, it's one that's already established that it's kind of hard to come by at this point. Because they did kill all Crossbones. It's quarter quote. Uh, well, exactly. Well, they tried to kill him off, and then they really killed him off. Right. Right. I mean, obviously, they showed him recovered at the end of Winter Soldier. Not recovered, but in, you know, uh, but alive. Right. Right. But at the end of the day, I, you know, I, I just have a, a very soft <laughs> spot for uh, Vatrock because they always write him as a silly character and it's just fun. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, in the comics, so. Right. So, yeah, like I said, he's the, the, the Twitter profile says on your left, as opposed to what it was reading before. It says, uh, I'm just a kid from Brooklyn. And the last thing, uh, as we have stated earlier, uh, Marvel is potentially, well, I guess we can say more than potentially. I think it's all but confirmed that Marvel is developing a new Captain America movie. So it's going to be Captain America 4, and it's going to be starring, obviously, Sam. As the captain, as right. the captain do, you have, do you have in the news that uh, it's going to be Spellman and, and, and somebody else working on the script? Yes. Good. Um, so, yeah, according to the deadline, a force Captain America movie is in development from uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier showrunner Malcolm Spellman. The report notes that Mackey's run as Captain America will be separate from another um, upcoming Marvel film in which Chris Evans is slated to reprise his role as Steve Rogers. Uh, details are slim at the moment, but it seems uh, Evans' return to the MCU won't be the focal point in an- another franchise. But as likely as as a likely cameo, I like Robert Downey Jr. in Spider-Man: Homecoming. Um, and uh, if you are if you watching the video, you definitely should sometimes. But also, t- uh, if you're um, playing along in the home game, whether you're watching or listening to this audio version, you could definitely go to the show notes, um, which should be on the page, but you can also, um, read the article that's in the, the clickbait section about the, um, 
the Falcon and Winter Soldier started explaining why the fact the flag smashers, excuse me, aren't villains, which is not Eric Aaron Cullen, but someone else is talking about this. But also an old article from twenty from twenty fourteen in where Anthony Mackie doesn't think he'll ever play Captain America. Um, also, I was kind of sworn I re- I thought I remembered an article where he said he didn't even want to do it, but uh, that either may or may not have been scrubbed from the internet if that was a thing, which I I, I almost certainly believe it was because I remember seeing it. But like I said, it's been all but <laughs> expunged from the internet. So there you go. Uh, regardless how we've come so far, the, the, if, if, if that's not a, how it started and where we are now, which it has been a thing that's been on in, on Twitter, you know, I don't know what it is. So you have anything else to say uh, before we move on? About no, this? you know, like I said, it was it, it was good. You know, definitely had some quibbles that uh you know that that bothered me going forward hmm. but i thought they did a, a a good job overall of and i've said this on previous episodes um as we were reviewing the series they adapted the comics to they adapted what happened in the comics to make it much more believable that sam wilson would take up the mantle and and how he would grow into it and become a different captain america right much more so than when uh, than when it was done in the comics, and you know, comics unfortunately has a tendency to go, you know, back to the status quo. It's obviously the illusion of change. So, um, you know, I really applaud you know Malcolm Spellman and 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 the and the and the writers for adapting the source material and really you know reinforcing um, Sam Wilson's story so that it would be. More, even more than believable, but just you know, a, a good story that 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 shows the character's growth, mm-hmm. and that's really where I applaud them. You know, they really did show, you know, how Sam would progress from one from from one point of view to thinking, all right, this you know, that he's ready to do it, and he's always going to be a different Captain America, right? Yeah. Indeed, indeed. Um, so that being said, um, we have no more Marvel stuff until Loki happens in June. <laughs> oh yeah, MCU stuff. Right. Yeah, MCU stuff. Well, no, right. we have Mo- I was about to say, We have that Modok uh, series on Hulu. Wait, when does that start? That's in that May though. May. Yeah, I'm not watching it, but um, <laughs> <laughs> why not? It's gonna be silly. It is. I want to watch it, but I don't have Hulu, and I'm not paying for Hulu. Oh well, there's other ways. We all know that. Yeah, that's true. But um, but in any event, uh, moving on, we're gonna get to the uh, our comics reviews we this are. week, and we're gonna start off with Silk Number Two, right? That is correct. Written by Maureen Goo. Art with art by the always cool Takeshi Miyazawa, mm-hmm. colors by Ian Herring, and letters by VCs Ariana Mar. Um, the issue picks up right, essentially right where we left off last issue, with um, Silk looking into these uh, gangland, at least as. As, as, as it is nowadays, right? Sure. These gang killings in Queens. And the first thing we get is a text exchange between Cindy Moon and one Peter Benjamin Parker. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, you know, it, it's very funny because we all know what um, 
tension lies between the two of them. Yes. Because of you know because of the because of Silk's origin and and, and all that other stuff that uh, uh, that that has come up between them, so we know that um, you know there's always going to be some sort of uh, tension between the two of them. But we get Cindy in her new job as an investigative reporter for threats and menaces, and she is doing something that to me has always been a very Peter Parker story, where. In, in instead of being the reporter, he's the photographer in you know attached to the reporter, and he has to you know, step in as Spidey very quickly right. because bad stuff is happening. So I got a kick out of seeing this version of the story go down, and what we get is um, uh, Cindy and uh, uh, another reporter uh, investigating um, uh, a lead, and it turns out that um, there is. Believe it or not, a demon cat that she has to contend with that is um, uh, wor- uh, working to. Um, I-, I don't have a cat pun, which is something that they employ a lot of in this yes, issue, they mm-hmm. but they're looking to um, uh, thin out the herd of uh, gangs, as it were, in uh, Queens. Right. And that's essentially where. Um, uh, 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 that's essentially what we run into here. And the cat, the demon cat does, uh, get the better of Cindy and she has to, and, 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 and she has to, um, uh, uh, lick a few wounds while the cat, the demon cat gets away. Well, she does get, she does get some, uh, some, some licks off herself and does drive him away, you know, even though, you know, yeah, the cat demon kind of, kind of got, kind of got her a couple of times. Um, right, it gets the best of her at least in this exchange. Right. Uh, so going back to the, the 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 Peter Parker bit, like I'm sitting here like, what world ga- what what weird galaxy thing that he was talking about? Because it couldn't be King of Black. Because assuming that's over with, or maybe it was, but I don't, I don't know. But it's like what, some weird galaxy thing. But we also know what's going on in his, but which also has to do with, uh, in some small part, having to do with gangs. Um. But in the whole of New York, because, you know, all of the rival games are kind of come together, which is kind of weird to see that of like, yeah, this other little game thing in Queens going on when. Well, I was about to say, that's not necessarily the, the, the gangs. Uh, well, I, I guess they are because yeah. it's like the crime bosses, like, right. the, like the minor crime bosses. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so that whole thing. And then so that's pretty much what we get going going into the rest of so what I thought was like. That's kind of weird to, to, to bring up, but I get it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, apparently part of, uh, speaking of, uh, Silk's backstory, there's a part of that when uh, she was talking to her brother, like, wait, when did, what, when did she find that out? Apparently about, cause you were saying something about her mom with an alternate d- dimension or something, or was she talking about like earth 65 where she, when she is gone? I don't remember. I didn't really read that second series. Right. Um, I'm trying to collect it. I could just go read it on Marvel Unlimited, I guess. Um, that'd be interesting to to kind of go back and see how that how that's being followed upon, how right. followed up on. Right. So, and uh, and I've always said, I've already said that. Yeah, I kind of need to because, like I said, I do know the the where she originally came from, which is original sin, and and going up in the Spider Verse and that kind of stuff. But still, like, yeah. right. I read the first limited series, but not much. I read the beginning and the second one, and then dropped it. Right. 
And I know that's where they they uh, they resolved some of her family stuff. Mm, gotcha. Because I remember they cut the first one off because of Secret Wars, mm-hmm. and they and they left it where she was trying to figure out what happened to her family when she was locked away by Ezekiel, but uh, um, that was left unresolved, at least in my mind. Sure. So I need to go back and read that second series more, or uh, finish the second series. That is. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, so apparently, um, yeah, because of, um, because of her dealings with Jonah in the last issue, she's become the, the Threats and Menaces, uh, guardian angel of, of some sorts. Uh, but Jonah gets the idea is like, no, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll go to the thing girl one way, but also have Silk in on it, which at this time, uh, Cindy was already hurt from the, from her dealing with the cat demon thing. So she has to go and mediate uh, with the games to try to get them to kind of come together so they could um, battle this other threat that's that's against them as opposed to each other. And that kind of goes, as her brother says, swimmingly <laughs> uh, with a, a very nice uh, page by, um, by Takmizawa of her at a bathhouse and her trying to deal with uh, almost family circus style, dealing with all the various um, interactions that, she's, that she has to deal with with the naked men's in the bathhouse, which mm. is kind of funny. Um, but, uh, but outside of that, um, we, uh, uh, we get her dealing with that, but then cut to her in her civilian life, going to see her therapist. And, uh, but, and this is where I knew it was like, okay, this is clearly something, something's, uh, something's going on here because she gets to her therapist. Her therapist is no longer there. Who's on some indefinite leave. There's a new therapist that, um, apparently Cindy's a little sweet on or immediately sweet on. Uh, but she talks to them and says a whole lot more than she probably should have before first meeting with this person. Uh, and we come to find out that well, she talks about the journalism. You know, she talks about it from the journalism point of view, but not from the silk point of view. Right. Because but, apparently her old therapist knew about all of that, but she still says exactly. a whole lot. Right. And then there's a big butt. And guess what? Mm-hmm. There's course. a twist. Yes, of course. Because like I said, you kind of see it coming. But oh, I, I was going to say, are you going to spoil it? I'll ring the spoiler yeah. bell. Yeah. All right, spoiler bell, three, two, one. This new therapist has ties to the person that she's going after. In fact, the the the, the person that she's after going after put this uh, therapist uh, family member in this position. Uh, so apparently, she knows more about um, Silk than uh, than previously known. Right. By, by by the way, she she uh, she could set this up, so and I guess we'll see what what to what end that will be going forward. But yeah, I was like, as soon as I thought this dude, was something like, wait, new therapist, they like, nah, sums up with this dude, and sure enough, <laughs> and that was the case going into the uh, the end of this book. But it was right. otherwise, it's a mini series, so it it has to move things along quicker. Is it a mini series? I thought it was uh, ongoing. No, it's a mini series. Oh, well done. I think it's like a five issue series or a six issue series. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, I'm pretty sucks. sure. Well, that sucks, but I guess it is what it is. Uh, but yeah, still enjoying it so far, and we'll see um, how this all shakes out um, in the coming subsequent issues, whether it's ongoing or not. 
Uh, that being the case, we can move on unless you got something else to say about this. No, no, no. It was good. It, you know, it was enjoyable. Um, you know, it's it's always a lot of fun to see um, Cindy Moon's character develop. Mm-hmm. Because you know she did come in in such a, in such an awkward way, yeah. where she's kind of like that that what is it that Kimmy Schmidt, uh, basically uh, a yeah, theme. Unbreakable. I, I never watched that show, but you know that's essentially how they how they played her. Right. Uh, no, I want to say she was before that show happened, but yeah, but it is definitely a, a similar circumstance. Right, and and uh, it's it's nice to see them continuing to develop the character. Mm-hmm. Indeed. And with that, we can move on to our next book. Um, actually, you know what? Let's let Chance decide. Let's what, go to Chance the... the Rapper? We have Chance the Rapper on the show? Oh what? God, no. Let's go to the wheel! <laughs> so, so, yes. Wheel uh, uh... of... Comics, so yeah, we got a bunch of comics coming on. I'm gonna spin the wheel real quick. And yes, I do. As you've watched in the video, I do have an actual uh, virtual wheel. Here to oh share. yeah, of course he, of course, Roddy Cat would when I am watching something else and not having the Twitch stream up. Oh well, you know, you, you gotta lose. pull the Twitch stream up now. You lose, you, you lost out on this. <laughs> so, um, priorities, folks. Wait, I don't know how this is gonna. Oh yeah, okay. There's a thing now. So I'm gonna spin this real quick, and we'll get our next book. Oh, I see the wheel now. That's so funny. <laughs> so, eight to oh seventy. Tell us about Berserker number two. <laughs> Berserker, Berserker number two, written by Matt Kent and Keanu Reeves, with art by Ron Garney, uh, colors by Bill Crabtree, and letters by Clem Robbins. Okay, so this is the literal origin story for this berserker character. And we go all the way back. It's, it has hints of, um, there's a little bit of a hint of, um, Oh, what's that DC character's name? The, uh, he's not an alien, right? Um, where, you know, that, that's, that's a immortal Lobo. No, no. Who am I thinking of? The uh, the guy. The um, he's like a Justice League villain. Um, uh, from DC. Mario? He's a caveman, and he's been around since caveman. Oh, Vandal Savage. Vandal yes, Savage. Vandal Savage. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we joke about how our, uh, our our DC knowledge is one of our blind spots, right? Yeah, and but so, you're right about that because even when we when we talked about the first issue, or even before the first issue, like that, like, he does absolutely look like Vandal Savage. Right, and and it's not exactly that. You know, he's not an alien, but there is a supernatural, magical type of origin story for this Berserker character, and um, it is explored in this, and we get it in flashback, and it is a pretty interesting uh, take. Uh, The art is really, um, you know, what sells uh, this particular uh, flashback sequence. Uh, Ron Garney's doing a, a, a good job um, being distanced from the, the 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 pages of Marvel and or DC, you know, there's a little bit more opportunity for uh, implied nudity here. Mm-hmm. So uh, Ron Garney does have a chance to take advantage of that, and 
uh, it's a pretty important issue for anyone who is reading this to you know to you know to understand where this character is coming from. You know, we we were introduced to the character's essential capabilities in the first issue. This issue is really the origin. So, um, if you are interested in this at all, you should definitely read this book. Mm-hmm. And once again, my love for you is like Berserker. <laughs> Shout out the clerks. <laughs> uh, all right, cool. Uh, next up, uh, do we want to leave it to leave it to chance again, or do we want to just? <laughs> because I can see it now, so I mean, even with the de- the streaming delay, mm-hmm. um, uh, I can actually see the wheel. All right, here we go. Beta Ray Bill number two. I'm typing into the chat. Wheel of Morality, turn, turn, turn. (laughs) 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 Tell us the book that we should review. Okay, Bill, number two. It's written and drawn by Daniel Warren Johnson with colors by Mike Spicer and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. I will not spoil the entirety of this because I know that Roddy Cat intends to read this. Mm -hmm. But we do have uh, motion in this story. We have forward motion because the first issue is all about establishing why Bill is going on this particular quest. And this issue is built on at the beginning stages of his quest, right? We know that his quest involves trying to recover the ability to change into his uh, essentially humanoid guise as opposed to being the, um, the, 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 the mostly Thor-powered uh, horse face being that he that he is, Oops. you know this is the the, the appearance that we uh, initially see him in, and only after he is granted um, the original enchantment that was uh, attached to Mjolnir and then moved to Stormbreaker, mm-hmm. um, you know that is what allowed him to regain his humanoid form. You know this is all back in the Simonson run of Thor. Uh, it is definitely a recommendation from myself and probably from Roddy Cat that you go back and read that stuff because it is it, it's still it holds up today. It's good stuff. It absolutely holds up today. Um, so uh, Bill is trying to um, recapture, literally recapture that magic, and is on a quest to do so. He has to you know consult with Odin, which he does in this issue. And um, it's not as easy as you would think it is because situations have changed for Odin. And that is where the premise of this miniseries uh, moves forward, where the story moves forward. So that, you know, like I said, I'm not going to try to spoil it, but we do have that forward, uh, the, the, the forward momentum established in this issue right. as to how possibly... Beta Ray Bill might be able to regain that magic. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I'm definitely um, going to uh, check that out. All right. So, so one more book, I guess, before we go into rapid fire. Right? Spin it. 
We love comic books. Turn, turn, turn. <laughs> Tell us the comic that we should review. This is so silly. Uh, X-Men Legends number three. I have got to crop this a little bit better, but yeah. Did you read this? No, I didn't get a chance to. Oh, we're picking all the books that I read. Okay. Yeah, yeah I, so did, the... I didn't choose the wheel chose. I had nothing to do with this. <laughs> all right. So uh, this issue is written by, and I love being able to say this. I honestly love being able to say this. Mm-hmm. This issue is written by Louise <laughs> Simonson. The art for this issue is by Walter Simonson. The colors are by Laura Martin. And the letters, if it's a, if it's a Simonson book, you know the letters are done by John Workman. Oh, and nice. this issue, what was that? It's a, oh, nice. So this issue is, as is the premise for all of these X-Men Legends book, books, is um, an effort to provide these creators who originally worked on these X-Men books to put in stories that, I guess, fill in some gaps mm-hmm. uh, that are, you know, that, that might be acknowledged and were you know, kind of glossed over in the storytelling. In this case, this story takes place before X Factor number 43. This is before the Judgment War. This is after Inferno. Okay. But before the Judgment War where uh, the ship goes rocketing into space because the Celestials called it. So if you remember that part. Vaguely. I was not reading X Factor that closely. I was only reading the crossover stuff. I was. But I did. What's that? I said I was up until a point. Right. Yeah. So did you make it past Inferno? I think so. I don't okay. remember. I feel like I remember the ship. Well, I remember the ship blowing up partially, but I think it self-healed. And the, and I think it did get called. I do remember it getting called back to space or something, and they lost it. Right. That's the judgment. Right. That's the judgment. Exactly. That's where this story falls in. It's right before that part. Mm-hmm. Right. And so this essentially... Um, uh, has a couple of stories being moved forward. One is by, and are, are you going to read this? Oh yeah. Okay. So without spoiling everything, one is, uh, you know, one character's story that's going to be moved forward in this is a character who plays a pivotal role in the founding of X factor and ultimately shows his true colors. And Roddy Cat understands who I'm talking about if I say that. Mm-hmm. The second thing that gets moved forward is the ship story, right? Yeah. Which is, you know, a kind of the, the whole Judgment War story kind of caught me a little off guard. So this is a little bit of more uh, 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 information to lead up to that story, which is why this is placed right before the ship gets called by the called back to the Celestials, right? So that's where this issue falls in. Okay. How? So I've been meaning to ask you uh, uh, this real quick. How do you feel? Uh, we probably we have discussed this kind of sort of in passing. Uh, how do you feel about these quote unquote lost uh, retconned, uh, whatever you want to call them? You know, old stories that are kind of new that we've been getting for the for the past year or so. 
that's kind of filling in blanks or, or here and there or stuff that some would argue we may or may not need it. It's kind of like Untold Tales of Spider-Man. Right. Which was fun, but it's different because it's the actual creators mm-hmm. who are putting in stories that are play, literally placing stories in between these uh, issues that they themselves worked on. Right. That they probably had a, a, a story filed away that maybe didn't fit into an editorial decision at the time, or maybe they needed to scrap because they needed to uh, fit in a crossover issue or an event issue. So I'm okay with it. Mm, okay. I definitely was okay with the whole Adam X thing from the first two uh, 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 two issues. Gotcha. Definitely, because all that stuff was just kind of like, if someone asked me about that character, I'd be like, I don't really know, because they don't really explain it. But now we have an explanation in in, in the comics. That's part of the continuity. Right. That's written by the same writer. True. You know? True, true, true. So I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. You know, I'm sure my hope is that we don't get the bad scenario, which is we get something that's just you know, bonkers, and we don't understand why that's even there. It's kind of a waste of time. You know, but anytime we can get Wheezy and Walt Simonson to work on uh, some Marvel stuff, it's fun. Gotcha. Because they are still vital people. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. Uh, definitely a legendary couple uh, and influential in, in Marvel Comics. So. Mm-hmm. Um, oh wow, I did not even see this. That's crazy. All right, cool. So if that's being the case, we can move on to um, maybe one more book before rapid, or we want to go into rapid. Wheel of comic books, turn, turn, turn. Tell us the comic that we should review. <laughs> Actually, I was about to say I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to spin the wheel for this one, but um, let's just out of curiosity see what what it gives us. Yeah, I was about to say if it goes with me, then uh, if it goes with the book that you haven't read, then we'll just do something that you read. Right. Um, well, I think this one would. Well, the one I'm thinking about is one we both read. Okay, Bitterroot, not. we're going to do that for Rapid Fire. So, um, I'm calling an audible on that one. (laughs) Um, I love comic books. Turn, turn, turn. I'm typing that into the chat, folks. (laughs) Yeah, we we may have a little bit more fun with the wheel on on later episodes. Not necessarily it's going to be an always thing. But, you know, I saw that and was like, "Let let me mess with this a little bit. Um, but the the book I actually wanted to talk about really quick was Miles Morales Spider-Man number 25. Go ahead. Uh, you want me to read the credits? I can do it because I think you're still typing your thing, right? Um, oh, yeah, I typed it in. It's good. Okay. Uh, but I can do it. Uh, so creative team, writer Saladin Ahmed, uh, art by Carmen Carnero, colors by David Curiel, um, letters by VCs Corey Pettit. And what I totally didn't pick up on, what I totally didn't get for some strange reason when I read it, there's a backup story, uh, which, which is written by Cody Ziegler, uh, art by Natasha Bustos, uh, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, and letters by, again, by VCs Corey Pettit. So I totally didn't see for some strange reason when I read that read this I didn't get the the backup story. 
Oh, uh, get to the backup story. Um, so yeah, so flip this past, you just uh, flipped past it to the next book. Actually, I think I did. I don't know because, or or unless my version of because we did have the whole uh, thing that happened or not, that we don't necessarily get to do with the uh, the books that were in the folder, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I that, I think that maybe means that I probably did skip it and thinking it was just a regular book, right? And didn't um, didn't uh, see there was extra pages because normally I would try to be a little bit more mindful of that, but you know, at least seeing what pages are while I'm reading. Mm-hmm. But yeah, apparently I must've missed that on this one. So, um, this is starting, this is the start of, uh, Miles's clone saga. And, um, if we've already lamented the, the clone saga already on this, um, on this, this program, and I basically say in my notes, so, so now we test our faith in Solid <laughs> in Saladin Ahmed because of this. Um, to which I'm kind of happy to say it's starting off on a and interestingly enough for so we get uh, we we start off where uh, at the end of the last episode uh, last issue uh, we definitely have had setup. We have had yes. a setup. Yes, we've totally had setup with the whole thing with the uh, the accessor and Miles being cloned and kidnapped before and that. Right. And I wonder if we even said something back then about whether Miles was going to have a clone saga or anything, because it clearly is like, well, if clones... Right, I mean, it's been teased for a while, right? It's been teased and announced for a while, so I'm pretty sure we we mentioned it. Right. If if not immediately as the story developed, because it wasn't immediately clear that there was going to be a clone involved or a clone... resulting from that story it wasn't because remember he was just kidnapped and it was just a really creepy story right uh but then for, a clone uh, an issue or two right but yeah but then a clone ended up coming into into play exactly at the end of that, so. exactly and that's when i think we started to speculate and then it was announced soon after i think right so cut to now where like i said we're at the um we're 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 taken up after miles comes back home and finds out that another him has been running around kidnapping folks and doing things and, and, and his parents are telling them, um, you know, telling them or were worried because they, they thought it might, whether it was him or not. Uh, so he's back home. They, they, they're talking, uh, Ganke comes in, uh, with something important he has to say. And I was like, cause I saw a preview shot of this, of, of a panel, um, that, that shows up in here and I'm seeing him like, wait, what is that about? And we get that in this issue, but I'm like, that was an interesting time to 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 to, to bring this up. But anyway, um, so yeah, so so Miles and Ganke get it in their heads like, well, we can find out what's going on. Uh, so they go through some, um, you know, go through some some searching on the internet, uh, kind of find out that um, no, there's a, a piece that's missing from who's ever doing what's plan, and Miles goes to the internet. Uh, intercept uh, this uh, this person, but not before Ganke tells him um, what was important that he had to tell him, which caused a... I don't know if we can say it's a full-on rift, but definitely caused something... Um, dramatic? Some, yes, something dramatic to happen between the two. Mm-hmm. Which I'm pretty sure they're going to they're going to go a little bit further into in there because even when I read that even right before that part happened I was like wait it's not because of this thing is it and sure enough it was because of that thing um which yeah uh so Miles goes off to to do to to go um 
good to go to go um, do some investigating. Uh, he goes back to the last scene of the crime. Uh, well, excuse me, he goes to the to the scene of the crime, which apparently the the, the person had already struck. Um, uh, he tries to you know talk to the people that are there, but they're like, no, don't hurt us because you you know you, you we already gave you what you what you want. And then along comes one Peter Parker Spider Man, who immediately just attacks uh, Miles, thinking he was the imposter. I'm sitting here like, okay. Get, it is a clone story. <laughs> I mean, true. But I'm it sitting, is a clone story. But I'm sitting here, but he just came in and hitting. I'm sitting like, you don't want to at least ask if that was Miles? Like, you just instantly just assumed that it was, it was um, that either Miles had gone bad or it was a clone or something. Like, as opposed to just saying, hey, wait a minute, are, are you you? You just come in like bopping my hands. So anyway, they fight for a second, um, uh, and then they hash it out. So, um, <laughs> you know, of course, in the way that 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 did you expect they would in that situation, being that they know each other as well as they do, um, and then they decide to um, to go after the perpetrator who was still close by, who ends up turning out to be a, I wouldn't say a not fully baked clone. <laughs> Uh, given, I thought it was at first because the way they were there was uh, uh, showing them, I was like, wait, is this a symbiote clone? A symbiote clone? Because that would be terrible. Um, but we also are just coming off of King and Black, so wouldn't be out of the realm of possibilities. But no, apparently it was a, it was a, it was another clone. So they fought this thing and they finally got him to a, uh, finally caught him. But then. Um, but then somebody comes out of the blue and uh, helps the other clone escape, and uh, Miles goes after him because Peter gets hurt. And we come to find like, out, right? Which is lame. This was like the lamest yes, of lame. Exactly. So we come to find out that after um, uh, after um, Miles chains chases down his clone, we come to find out that there are three other clones, and the head of these uh, well, Skibu. Because one, two, yeah, the, that was this. This clone was a part of three other, four other clones, uh, and the head clone introduces himself. Um, I guess we'll go ahead and spoil this. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! The clone's name is Selim, which yes is backwards for Miles. I'm sitting like, oh, really? <laughs> this is what we're doing. Oh no! Uh, I'm sitting like I'm, I, I, I actually let out an audible groan when I read that. I'm like, are you really serious? Really? Yes. I kind of chuckled at it. I, didn't I, I mean, kind of after after the fact, I chuckled. I was like, really? Oh, come on! I thought it was. I thought it was funny. Mm. You know what's funny is that the like two pages before that we have. Like literally a bunch of it's not ZZ Top folks. Those are Orthodox Jewish characters, uh, folk who are on that page mm-hmm. because it's implied that um, the Spidey's probably swinging through Williamsburg, which is one of the enclaves of uh, the Orthodox Jewish community here in Brooklyn. But um, I kind of chuckled at that, and then you know, part of me is just like, all right, we all know that Peter can catch up very quickly, right? right. Once he once he, yeah, once he covered, gets his breath, right? Right. Once he's recovered, he can catch up very quickly. But I was like. Really, you're gonna leave him back there to to run after this guy? Yeah, that makes sense. It's part of the story. He has to. They have to get to this reveal. Mm-hmm. But also, apparently, uh, Peter never told Miles about his clone saga because 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 Miles was like, "You don't know how it feels to have some." Miles was like, and Peter was like, "Actually, yeah." And then they got cut off because of 
It's a painful memory. Yeah, pretty much. So I assume they're going to have that talk in the coming issues, you know, which I guess I don't know how that would even come up prior to now anyway, but, you know, so I, I guess I kind of get why they haven't had that conversation, but I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Peter's done a lot, so you don't, you just don't know. But anyway, uh, so apparently there's a backup story where um, Miles was he going to get some pastries or something. Yeah, it's a birth. It's a he's he's trying to transport a birthday cake from a he calls it a bougie cake, mm-hmm. and I laugh because you know obviously this is um you know this is the day and age of of, of specialized things being very expensive and um. I'm not sure what they're referencing, you know, which which bakery they're referencing, okay, but it made me laugh. Was, yeah, I was going to ask you if that was actual real place. I didn't Google it. I actually didn't Google it. Now I'm going to try to do it, but gotcha. uh, go ahead. So, yeah, so so Miles is kind of going along, and as customer in stories like this, he meets up with some uh, resistance. Um, oh, yeah, so it was, I guess it's for a judge's birthday party or something. Right. Um, kind of going back through this. Uh, so yeah, so he meets up with this new villain called the Bumbler. Um, which I laughed at the name. Yeah, that's an unfortunate name. <laughs> like I don't know. If that, I don't know if you name. thought that one through. You know, but apparently this is another winged, uh, winged uh, uh, character that fight that uh, Miles is kind of fighting up against, and. Um, Kind of spoils, well, kind of, uh, of course, you know, messes, uh, messes up the, the, um, um, messes up what, uh, Miles is carrying, uh, but then Miles takes him down, and, uh, Okay, the bakery is Israel. Israel, okay. Uh, it's called Ovenly. Yeah. It's, we're not getting paid to, uh, shout them out, but apparently it is real. Right. And they actually have nationwide shipping. Oh, nice. Um, so yeah, but apparently, uh, so because of the fact that, uh, that they, the, the fight, uh, during the course of the fight that, uh, Miles' original, uh, Kate got messed up, apparently he, he had, uh, this, uh, bad guy do something for him, and the bad guy put, took, uh, Miles' bag, which is weird, and <laughs> licks the bag for some strange reason. I'm like, okay, this is a fun... I this on DoorDash because I'm here in Brooklyn, that's cool. Oh, nice. So, yeah, so that was a cute story from what I, from what I glanced through. And, you know, uh, I guess it all is well and kind of sort of ends well. So I don't, I'm, I'm assuming we're going to see this character again at some point. Um, but we don't know. But like I said, the, the, clearly this backup story was here for some reason. Because um, I don't think, uh, I mean, yes, it's 25, 25th issue, but I don't think it was like a... Legacy special, uh, I mean, a, a legacy uh, issue for Miles, or a, a, a legacy, um, yeah, because it's two sixty five legacy. So, um, so I think they just decided to put a put a backup story into this thing. But it was cute. It was like I said, it was it was all right from what I just skimmed through it. Uh, you got something else on this one on this uh, issue? No, no, no. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm literally going through the ovenly uh, menu right now. <laughs> He's he switched from sports ball to cakes, folks. Yeah, because all of a sudden I got hungry. Yeah, I know. I'm kind of hungry myself. But um, 
That's beside the point. So we're going to try to That's rush fun. this along just a bit. So we're going to go into rapid fire. All righty. Spinning it up. I really need to get a... Uh, oh, you know what? Uh, I, I literally just got a copy of uh, Predator because I realized I actually didn't own a copy. Oh, Wow. So I, I'm, I got to pull, I, I got to go through some of those scenes and see if there's anything. Cause remember they called it, they, they had a, a name for the, um, the mini, the mini gun that, uh, Jesse, the body Ventura's character is yes. carrying. So I'm trying to figure if there's something I can pull from there, but I'm spinning up our mini gun. Rapid fire, because I'm pretty sure that minigun is probably what cadet man. That that joke, that scene as a, as a kid was was a trip. I'm like they just tore through this whole <laughs> deforestation like real quick. Um, but yeah, rapid fire, folks. Um, and we ain't got time to bleed either. So let's see. You actually, I think you got a couple of more than I do, even though. So let me go ahead and do mine since most of the books we did was uh, yours. Um, and I totally forgot the Spider-Man. Sorry, folks. All right. Boop, 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 boop. Uh, Black Widow number six, which I believe you read also. Yes. Uh, creative team, writer, Kelly Thompson, artist, Raphael, Raphael, uh, De La Torre, or is it De La Torre? I don't know. Uh, I think it's De La Torre. Okay. Color artist Jody Belair and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. So we got a new arc, new mission, new suit, but the same deadly widow. Uh, we've got some, got a a recent old flashback, I guess you could say, uh, from from the widow. But also she's, um, as she says, uh, life is like a video game sometimes, and uh, she's kind of going through. And well, she meets up with uh, she. I guess uh, in this flashback, she she in this other flashback, she's uh, while she was uh, on on this mission, uh, she meets up with this kid that she sees some potential in, uh, but lets him go. Then cut back to the mission in hand, where she's in this office building, and uh, she equates this uh, what's this mission to being in a video game, like I just said, uh, and apparently this mission was uh, to, uh, I guess, save this girl. That uh, she picks up and uh, that she that she picked up in an earlier uh, flashback from whatever clutches of um, apogee, I guess it was the name of the the bad guy here uh, that she's right. dealing with. Yeah, so who end up was not actually there, but you know, um, nevertheless, you know, the stand-ins were all there. So it was a pretty good issue. Um, I enjoyed it. I dare, I dare say. You, so I don't know. You got something to say about it? Oh, just something to add. Um, I'd like the uh, um, the back and forth between uh, Natasha and Yelena Bolova yes. as they're trying to figure out if this uh, new character who's being introduced in, uh, is uh, someone that they need to help and and how they would possibly help them right. and the the rumor is that this is possibly um this is very much kind of a uh uh the t i you know i think the rumor is that this is very much a possible uh apprentice type relationship that might come up 
Right. Not between, un, between not these un, characters. Right. Not unlike potentially in another different way that Sam and Bucky were trying to do with that natural kid from the from the miniseries, I suspect. I mean, this is literally uh, Batman and Jason Todd. Right. Oh, well, well we hope not Jason Todd because that's... Right, but you know what I mean? Like in terms of, uh, you know, Natasha stops her from picking her, wa- her, 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 her wallet from her purse. Right, this is another Robin situation. Got it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll see how that, uh, that commences um, uh, as this uh, progresses. Next up, uh, Amazing Spider-Man, Curse of the Man-Thing, number one. So this is uh, another in one of those, I don't know what to call these uh, mini-event uh, one-shot things. No, um, I think it's a mini-event because there's three of them. I know, but they're all being done in three different one-shots, even though they're they're related to each other by this Curse of the Man-Thing thing. Right. Uh, and they've done these before because we've talked about them before. And I want to say it's the same people involved, now that I think about it. Um, because I think it was the Avengers Spidey and the X-Men in that last one. But anyway, um, so this is, uh, taken up after the Avengers Curse of the, um, Curse of the Man-Thing, uh, uh, issue. Uh, so we come to find out that, so they're, so the Avengers are still fighting. They tag in Spidey, who, uh, just so happens, or tag Spidey kind of tags him himself, in instance, of course, you know, he's in, in the friendly neighborhood. Um... But um, yeah, Spidey says something about blocking blocking the number, and I was like, "Is that about that Tony thing from from King and Black or whatever?" But I don't know. Um, meanwhile, Harrower and Horticulture are having a little civil war because they still kind of you know they have different ways of uh, wanting to do things, and Harrower was like, "Nope, my ways, I'm doing things," because she was the one who kind of was the catalyst for all this in the first place. Uh, and they're having their little civil war, which gets uh, dealt with temporarily. Uh, and then we cut back to the whole Ted Silas was not the one who um, made the formula that Tournament of Man thing. Spoiler alert, apparently Kurt Connors had some help in this. So Kurt Connors ends up getting involved. Um, and I'm sitting here thinking, wait, have the Lizard and Man thing never actually met? Uh, that sounds kind of weird. I was gonna say that's not out of the realm of possibility because it's, the man thing generally hangs out in Florida. <laughs> yeah, but the man thing has shown up somewhere so, uh, elsewhere, as in Durant, who knows? Maybe Kirk Connors was in Florida for something now, but yeah, I don't know. But I, I don't know. It just seemed kind of weird to me that they they've never met before. I don't know why. Um, especially now that we know they they knew each other before professionally, you know. right? They knew right. each other professionally before any respective transformations right and apparently Tess Ellis didn't but it makes sense because he's been a man thing all this time so but his transformation was before uh as this is laying out was before Kurt Connors so you know uh long story short though uh Spidey ends up helping uh, Kurt Connors kind of sort of helps but not really and uh, I guess Ted Ted ends up I don't know if you were planning on reading this in the first place so I might be giving away too much of this no, I skimmed it. Oh, okay. Um, so Ted's kind of got back in control of Man-Thing to a certain point, and uh, this is leading in, which ends up leading into the next, um, uh, and I think final part of this uh, Curse of the Man-Thing thing, when he summons, basically summons the X-Men in, um, in case in point, magic, because I don't know, he was doing the Sermon in the Circle, 
And they were talking about a deal with the devil. So I'm thinking, well, maybe it's Mephisto. Because, you know, Mephisto's been popping up here and there. It's not outside the realm of possibilities. That's the thing that they're, they're, they're trying to say. Right. Maybe still is. But no, magic shows up. And now the next one goes, uh, uh, is going to involve the X-Men. Um, to wrap this all up, which I say in my notes should have been involved with this in the first place, given that this is a whole, given that's technically uh, an offshoot of an X Men villain is responsible for this whole thing. So they should have been involved in the first place. But you know, this is how these things tend to go. Uh, next up, New Mutant Seventeen. Did you read this? Um, I tried. It was a little on the dense side. Huh. I didn't. I was running out of time. Interesting. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, written by Videlaya, uh, art by Rod Reyes, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. So, part of this seems like they're trying to. Um, are you wait? Are you going to go back and read it? Yeah. Okay. So basically, I don't know. I, I, the, so I have a, I have an idea of what's sure. happening. So you can you can go ahead and spoil it because I'm, I'm like I said when I said dense, it's just that I just saw lots of wordy balloons and I right. saw them on a quest in other worlds and I was like, all right, so you know, yeah, we'll I'll get, get to get that back in a second. This. Right. It starts off where when the Shadow King's uh, talking to Rain, which she seems not to be phased the fact that he's on Krakoa, first of all, and the fact that she just happened to be, he just happened to be there rolling up on her. Uh, so he kind of talks to her for a little bit and gets her, gets her in on, I'm going to still assume is a scheme that he's trying to, do, that he's working out with the, with the kids that he's already been dealing with. Um, um, because he kind of makes himself off like, like nah, we're here on for Kakor and we're supposed to be helping each other and this and that and other. So he's trying to appeal to her better nature. But I'm still thinking he's still he's still up to something because the Shadow King, why wouldn't he be? Even even in the current state of Krakoa. Um cut from that to as Agent Seventy says, uh said, uh Danny and uh as we Shian's Shian, excuse me, Shian, that's how you pronounce her name, which I've always called her Shan not not totally right not totally wrong but still Xi'an uh, are in other world trying to find this other mutant uh, and they end up on a side quest which uh, they end up resolving and getting back to the main quest and the main quest has wants to get to uh, basically has um, adventures of his own so they kind of leave him to his own devices in other world and but also is probably going to get called back to over other world because of a favor they owe uh, Roma, who I still say looks very different from the Excalibur days, but you know, uh, it is what it is on that. Uh, and also, there's another thing side point to this because the kids that the aforementioned kids that the the, um, the Shadow Kings trying to get under his wing are trying to synergize for themselves, and they get the idea of going to the Boneyard to get an inanimate uh, body so that they could try to do some science on. Uh, which leads to um, one honey badger. Is the, wait? She's still going by honey badger. Or did she her name change again? Is it Scout? I think Scout. it's Scout now. There we go. Scout. Yes. So one Gabby, um, aka Scout, aka Mini Wolverine, um, uh, talks to Anoli uh, uh, in a nice, in a very grown-up fa- fashion for for a kid of her age uh, about um, belonging and you know. The stuff that they're gonna do with, um, um, but then they, that kind of goes 
that kind of goes into whatever that's going to happen in the next uh, episode, uh, in the next issue. So yeah, there was a couple of things that happened in this issue. <laughs> I'm like, they tried to put a lot in this. I'm like, I get it, but that's a, it's a, it is a little bit of a lot. Uh, next up, cable number 10. Did you read this? I skimmed it. You skimmed so it? So you can spoil it. Okay. There's really not much to say, but um, written by Jerry Duggan, art by Phil Noto, lettering by VCs Joe Sabino. Uh, I found it weird that Cable was calling his dad Scott as opposed to dad like he had been doing. But um, Cable, as we saw last uh, issue, got the idea of um, that he needs to be gone because of the whole strife situation and old cable should be back in place. So he got the idea of wanting to try to resurrect him. Now we know the audience knows that old cable is sometime someplace. Uh, and we see this at the end of this book. Uh, so cable kind of spends part of this issue trying to get that worked out, but then he gets called up by Scott who they go on a mission together in London who you would think was the purview of Excalibur, and they take down these two, um, take down these two mutants. Which I don't know if we've seen these two before. The, the, the names sound... they were randomly generated fr- from Arako. Oh, are they? Okay, that's was my understanding. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure where these two came from, but um, or maybe they were part of some old group that just you know, it, yeah. But it didn't sound like see, see, it didn't sound like they knew him off offhand, um, no or knew each other offhand. So yeah, so Cable and Scott kind of take them down and take them back to Krakoa, um, while they're having a uh, telepathic conversation about you know, Scott's talking about um, you should sign you should um, put your name in for the new X Men group because I think it's time, or he thought it was time. Cable's trying to tell him like, nope, he's got to go, and uh, the new the old Cable should come back, and he wants to resurrect him. Scott was like, over my dead body. Uh, so they kind of talk about that during the course of them fighting these uh, other two, um, and I guess they get to an understanding on that part. Is that part is kind of sort of not clear, but yeah, we get to a point. But then we, at the end of this, we see old Cable um, showing up again for whatever odd reason. Uh, next up is Bitterroot number 12. Um, uh, I did not get the... Um... Scroll up to mine. Oh, okay, cool. Sweet. Uh, written by David F. Walker and Chuck Brown. Art by Sanford Green. Uh, colors by Sophie Dodgson. Letters by Hassan Otsmane El Hao. I'm hoping I'm pressing that uh, I'm saying that right. And if I'm not, I apologize profusely. So, um, Winterberg find a girlfriend. I have no idea. Cause I was like, there's a lot that happens in this book. And I, I know it was probably the last issue. Cause I feel like I remember a panel when that kind of came up, but it, I, apparently he's entertaining. But the gist of the story is that, um, Charlie tells blank about, um, what happened in the other place, Bar- Barzak. Because uh, she was asking, uh, apparently Adro, the 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 demon person thing or demon whatever person they're fighting is a man. I thought it was a woman. Uh, Ford may have picked up another straight white person uh, who may may or may not be um, uh, related or no, who is related to uh, the last one that he <laughs> unintentionally got killed. 
Um, <laughs> and all and another side of the story is Maeda decides to uh, step down from the family while she's basically they're having family dinner with the people who are still in Harlem and she decides to step down and names Blink the new head of the family which I'm pretty sure is going to have some contention going going forward with a couple of folks Um, but that's pretty much where it it leads off while Cullen and um, oh wait yeah that was the whole thing with Cullen and um, uh, coming to Cullen and Ford in the first place was fighting um, demon trees or whatever the case may be. And last but not least, Enoch uh, seemingly finds, uh, maybe has a revelation that he goes to try to tell the family, but he doesn't make it. He gets into, he he and, and uh, um, I think it's implied it's one of the, 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 the one guys of the from families. Chinatown. Yes. That is correct. Right. They, they're doing research and um, they get intercepted. Mm-hmm. On the way to telling the the Sangurai family what he's found, because, and uh, uh, apparently they were being watched. Yeah, uh, apparently, or either that, or they just so happened to. I mean, because we're in a place. I mean, like at this point, uh, a bunch of these uh, demons are just floating around anywhere, and I guess you know they happen to. Be, so there are some still bad demons uh, around, as opposed to the the the, the human hybrid uh, demons that are that are also around. So yeah, they get intercepted and, uh, they don't make it to, to the family in time to, uh, to share this revelation. And then we cut back to Barzak where, um, this other dude from previous story is, was helping what was on the, was, was trying to figure things out on the other side. And I guess he's also come to the self same revelation. So maybe he's going to come back to earth. We'll see. Uh, next up, but you should be reading better. What is good? It's a little dense at times, but it's pretty good. Um, Savage Avengers tw- number 20. So, uh, Conan, this, this, this is a book that's probably never going to die, even though it's probably going to end sooner rather than later. We still don't know. Uh, Conan is a part it's of a heist. Book? Huh? Isn't it serving as the Conan the Barbarian Marvel comic book? Pretty much, because I thought there was another Conan book, but, um, um, yeah, this seems like this might be the one at the at uh, for now. Uh written by Jerry Duggan, art by Patch Zerker, uh Zercher, color artist uh was it Java? Uh Tartaglia and letters by VC's Tra- Travis Lanham. Oh, excuse me. <clears throat> so Conan is a part of a heist to save the bar with no name for some reason. I don't know. He doesn't have any allegiance to anyone in this world. Uh, will it finally get one? Who knows? But guess who he finally meets up with? Your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, which, again, I could have sworn they may have met before. Um, but apparently not. Uh, and then at the end, and they end up uh, fighting with alongside of uh, they fighting each other because of this heist uh, uh, that uh, Conan goes on with the Rhino. Um, which apparently they get away with. I was about to say, and it kind of devolves into some silliness. I did yes, flip through this. It does. It definitely does. So, so um, in the, during the course of this fight, because yeah, because um, uh, yeah, Conan and, and Spidey is fighting, and she finds out that he has a symbiote, and you know, and yeah, some 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 silliness does uh, ensue with uh, them and the Rhino. And whatnot. And on the other side of this, at the end of it, Kula and Gath uh, ends up reviving um, a 
a uh, a deceased disciple of his that we saw get uh, get killed uh, a few issues back. Right. When I say silly, I mean like literally, you know, Conan doing something not cool to uh, Spidey suit. Yeah, totally. Because he's yeah. So yeah, yeah. So he think he thinks the suit is what's uh, giving Spidey his powers, and he tries to t- take it off of him. And, and and Peter's like, uh, no, this, 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 I, I got the power. The suit has nothing to do with it, but yeah, ends up ripping his, uh, ripping the seat of his pants, um, or suit of his onesie, um, in, during the uh, ensuing fight. You know, Conan don't know. He's not. He's not from this time, so he's he's thinking all kind of craziness. So, um, <laughs> not uh, so bright. Yeah, Marshall. not very bright, Marshall. but you know, battle hardened to say the least. So definitely not bright. Uh, last but not least, which you, you can kind of take the, the break because I kind of glanced on this one now, but I still will bring it up. Uh, Teen Titans Academy number two. And uh, do you do have the, yeah, written by Tim Sheridan, uh, art by Rafa Sandoval, art by Jody Tarragona, um, or oh, it's inks, excuse me, by Jody Tarragona, colors by Alexandro Sanchez, and letters by Rob Lee. So you just flipped through this? I kind of skimmed through it, yeah. Okay, so no need for me to worry too much about spoilers, but uh, kind of picking up where we left off in the last issue with the reveal of uh, Red X, um, there's a few things that happen in this issue. Uh, First off, we we kind of get um, an idea that Red X is going to play a part in this issue Mm -hmm. because of the cover. Mm -hmm. And then we get into the opening... um, the opening sequence with one of the students being um, assaulted by Red X and some stuff going on. We don't know exactly when this happened, but uh, it, it turns out that might be uh, uh, something we find out happens later on in the issue. It might be a, a flash forward, and the rest of this issue is essentially a flashback where um, we are uh, right in the middle of class being in session. We have Cyborg running... Um, uh, I guess it's a phys ed class type, you know, or 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 or, or, or something along those lines, and everyone's being active. But this is an issue where we spotlight two particular characters amongst this uh, pretty large student class. It's a very much, it's very much playing out similar to how we saw Strange Academy and probably Gotham Academy. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, because we're always going to have to focus on a couple of characters at a time because of the large cast. And in this one, we focus on this one character who uh, several characters suspect may have uh, similar origins to um, one Connor Kent. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have a tie-in to... Um, Actually, just to get back to the whole Red X thing, um, the Red X uh, character appears breaking into uh, Titan's Tower, but it turns out that there may be a mole in Titan's Academy, and uh, that is definitely teased here. And we also have um, a, 
a cameo appearance by some characters who are soon to make an appearance in a DC movie, and that is why they are experiencing a greater uh, visibility at DC Comics right now. So they appear at the end of this issue. But uh, something that was teased at the inception of this series, that there is a mole in... uh, Titans Academy uh, basically comes to fruition here. It's revealed that there is a character who apparently is uh, uh, playing more than one side. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much that. All right. Uh, I'm keeping it super vague because I don't want to spoil everything. But right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but the, you know that's that's essentially where we are. Yeah, no, that was good. That was good. Uh, but yeah, now we can go to your books. All righty, since we covered a whole bunch of mine, uh, thanks to the wheel of comic book <laughs> reviews, uh, let's see what is left. Oh, uh, Fantastic Four number thirty-one, uh, written by Dan Slott with art by R.B. Silva. Colors by Jesus Abertov and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna, the Paisan. So this is kind of um, uh, in 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 following with where Dan Slot has currently been taking the FF. We are exploring several of their relationships post. Um, Post dealing with uh, some of the um, after effects of dealing with the uh, oh, what, what what was it the um, oh I forget which villain it was that showed them like the their their nightmare uh, scenarios. Wait, do you, do you was... remember what I'm talking about recently? Uh, the last issue was King in Black. Yeah, um, the 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 Never Queen, or um, I forgot what it, what her name was. Right, but you know what I'm talking about. Yes. It was it was pre it was pre King and Black because King and Black followed up on that, and we're still following up on it here. Right, right, right. So that's part of that 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 leads to uh, Reed um, taking a trip into uh, the Forever Gate and taking Ben along for the ride. You know, kind of doing a. a, a, a um, a hangout, you know, like a, a a boys' day out, basically. Yeah, bonding session. And uh, you know, it 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 turns into a little bit of therapy for the two of them, right? And that's actually an ongoing theme here. We get a uh, some backstory on what is the scroll's name? Uh, bear in mind, folks, and this is a a, a minor spoiler. Um, Ben and Alicia have adopted the two kids that they encountered uh, when they went to the, um, I forget what the the name of that new um, uh, character is that was um, the arms dealer. Right. Oh, right. And she was a, um, she's a, um, an elder of the universe or whatever. I think that was elder. Exactly. She's an elder of the, yeah, she was uh, a heretofore unknown elder of the universe. Right. So yeah, the the character's name is Nikki. It's the Skrull, mm-hmm. and 
you actually get a little bit of backstory on her and it's actually pretty cool and we have some um interactions between her and alicia which are pretty uh you know which really help develop their relationship and as i said develop the uh, the nikki character that's the female scroll in in of the of the two children without going into it do we get how she knows alicia so like yes okay uh, I, we I was absolutely waiting for do, and it is rooted in continuity. Mm, I kind of figured, but I was like, how, what? But then, okay. And so, yeah, I'm looking forward to reading this then. Right. Uh, we have an, uh, uh, we have Bentley um, <sighs> directing Miss Guy, uh, 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 misdirecting his um, adolescent rage at a character. <laughs> Uh, because he is uh, unsuccessful with uh, an interaction with Valeria, mm. who we all know he has the hots for. Right. Um, it's revealed that one um, uh, uh, senior Bentley, let's put it that way, or yeah. elder Bentley. Who we've recently seen, yes, in Power Pack. Right. Is, uh, ha- has some machinations of his own. And that's what still falls true. Then <laughs> mm-hmm. he has his he has his own machinations. Now, whether and that has anything to where, do with this, did it, sorry, does that have anything to do with that power pack stuff? Have to do anything to do with this, or this is a separate? No, it's no. a separate machination. Gotcha. Uh, although now that I'm flipping through it again, I wonder if they do show this one character. It might. Now that I'm looking closer, clo- uh, more closely at the panels that uh, that this character appears in, it might. I can't necessarily uh, rule out that it doesn't. Gotcha. So I'm, I'm going to say might. Okay. Okay. Um, but getting back to where the story uh, goes, as I said, you know, Reed and Ben are on a, uh, are having a bonding session, and. Uh, Sue and Johnny kind of come to a conclusion that um, the problems that that they're all sort of having uh, dealing with Franklin, because Franklin, you know, uh, minor spoiler alert, has been dealing with power loss and or power fluctuations during this entire slot run on the Fantastic Four um, leads them to um, getting... Franklin some professional help and in this day and age professional help is exactly what you know think it is and that is therapy mm-hmm. but of a superhero bent it is not Doc Samson though so that's where this issue leaves us probably for the best uh, he's not, uh, ends up with he's not been noted this is probably for the best he's not been no- noted to be very great <laughs> and he's oh, got other right problems now, right now I was gonna say right now in the pages of Immortal Hulk he is not in a good place right so and he was never all that good in the first place, but yeah, so he's got his own things going on. <laughs> right. So, so uh, next issue, uh, we are in the lead up to the Doom Wedding. Oh, nice. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm. If it's not who I'm thinking it is, I'd be very shocked. No, it's already been revealed in the in the solicits who it is. Oh, but uh, yeah, but... we're getting the lead. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's, it's it is who we think it is. Mm, okay. But in because uh, I think we've talked about it too. Mm-hmm. But um, 
but uh, next issue is already, you know, we're already dealing with the ramp up to this event. Which that still seems weird given that situation with them, but we'll talk more about that when we get when we get closer to that. Right. And that is it because we have discussed all of the other books that I read. Clicks of the week, week, week. Are you spinning the wheel? Uh huh. I'm not showing it, but just kind of curious. Yeah, no. That's a funny sound effect it that is. comes after the, 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 the wheel stops. It really is. Um, a little jaunty. Uh, so, yeah, Clicks of the Week. We already got a couple from our absent uh, absent uh, co-hosts. Uh, let's see. From Dirt, we have Batman Superman number 17. I actually kind of skimmed through the first couple of pages of this. Um, I think I did anyway. Uh, it says, Yang is doing some classic world's finest stuff, and it's fantastic, uh, according to Dirt. And from Tim, uh, Robin number one, which I didn't get a chance to uh, check out, but I was I skimmed it. It seemed interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was kind of curious about uh, about where this is where that was going to go. So I will be checking into that um, sometime after this. Uh, do you have yours? I'm still thinking about it. I'm kind of narrowing it down to. I enjoyed. There was a couple of characterizations that I wasn't so happy about in Beta Ray Bill Number Two, mm-hmm. but I enjoyed the issue overall. Um, I actually really liked Black Widow Number Six. I really liked the way it was written and the action, mm-hmm. how the action. Um, was laid out by Rafael De, uh, De Torre, who's a, a guest artist on the book this week mm-hmm. or this month. And believe it or not, Berserker number two wasn't bad. Hmm. Nice. Yeah, for myself, I'm I'm kind of bouncing between Silk number two and Miles, and yeah, that Black Widow was actually pretty good. Um. Oh yeah, and Silk number two, which you know, which brought a smile to my face, except for that. Uh, the what you call it that that reveal at the end I was kind of like oh right yeah and the Miles thing with the reveal at the end kind of was like was was the groan for me but the rest of the issue was actually pretty good um I'm gonna go with Black Widow number six okay sounds like a plan. shout out to shout out to Daniel Warren Johnson's art in Beta Ray Bill number two I really like the layouts. Um, I'm not so sure about the characterization. So when you have a chance to read it, uh, Roddy Cat, let me know what you think. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I, I was. Um, it's always uh, it's always a question when the writer is also the artist, and sometimes you know they they make choices in in certain cases that like why would you do something like this? But yeah, I think uh, that that first issue was actually pretty good. Um. And yeah, I, I don't see why this one wouldn't be, but yeah, I'll definitely check it out. So I think I'm gonna go ahead and probably go with uh, Silk. Alrighty. Like, shout out to Miles. It was actually outside outside of the fact that it was a um, it's leading to a, to a clone saga, and it actually was you know starting off pretty good, and that reveal being what it was. <laughs> um. Yeah, I'm gonna go with that. 
And with that, folks, we're going to go into the news. And we got a lot of cinematic news, by the way. But um, we're going to get our first ad read in. All right. Our first ad read of the night is for Wink, the personalized wine club. Wink is a world of wine delivered right to your door. From rosé to cabernet to torronte, Wink has over 100 styles of wine to discover. Ever try an orange wine? Wink connects you to a world of exclusive wines tailored to your taste and delivered directly to your door. Wink delivers four bottles of wine to you every month with free shipping. You can pick your own bottles or let Wink choose and match to your taste. It doesn't cost a thing to become a member and you can skip or cancel anytime. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy an exclusive discount of $20 off your first order. To place your first order with $20 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at at cspn.us forward slash wink. That's cspn.us forward slash w-i-n-c. Wink wines through CSPN. Do it today. And now we get into the news. Okay, that's enough of that. I was about uh, to say, I'm like, why is the wheel of comic book <laughs> review spinning? I don't know. I just like that that sound. Um, <laughs> cinematic news, folks. As we are want to do around this time, starting off with a '90s Daredevil show was canceled in favor of a doomed DC series. So, in uh, apparently, IGN did a story um, about. Oh, wait. In the latest IGN Inside Stories documentary, The Incredible MCU That Time Forgot, uh, actor Rick Smith reveals that NBC had TV plans for Marvel's Daredevil before a CBS adaptation of The Flash show saw them abruptly abandoned. Smith played Matt Murdock in the 1989 trial of The uh, Incredible Hulk. I remember that. Uh, oh, which, no. Yes, that thing. I remember that, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, which left a setup for a Daredevil show when Arch Enemy uh, Wilson Fisk, Fisk, played by Indiana Jones' John Reese davies escaped from before the conclusion. Uh, Smith told IGN that the setup was intentional, but ultimately never paid off. Quote-unquote, it was not just a guest uh, star thing for a film. Uh, this whole effort was a springboard for a series for the Daredevil, he explains. Um, Trial of the Inf- uh, Trial of the Incredible Hulk screenwriter uh, Gerald DePeggio confirmed that for us, the whole reason to do the 1980s Hulk movies was not just to show the Hulk again, but to bring other bring in the other universe characters, because we did see Thor in one of those, uh, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so we absolutely did. It was. Um, I think it was that one. Even- I was about to say it wasn't even Costco Thor. Let's not even. Yeah, no, it was. It was definitely a bootleg Thor. Um, this is a Family Dollar Thor. <laughs> it's a Dollar Tree oh Thor. My God, it's Dollar Tree Thor. <laughs> yes. Oh no. <laughs> so say so. If you're going to bring in Daredevil and Kingpin, you're certainly not going to put them in jail or kill them off. So yeah, needless to say, that never happened. And then the Flash, uh, the Flash happened. Uh, oh wait, see, unfortunately the show never made it out the gate due to CBS's network's interest in a competing DC project a 1990 series about the Flash which we did see uh, I hear from my agent, says Smith he goes, 
we have a problem, I go. Well, what kind of problem? Uh, well, CBS brought your contract for Daredevil because they're coming out with The Flash and they don't want the competition. So NBC sold your contract. Uh, the contract sales saw the Daredevil show put on ice and Smith was essentially paid not to play Daredevil, which I guess, I'm sure, uh, so that The Flash could succeed, which was not him playing The Flash, by the way. Although that series would see a single season before uh, being canceled itself. So, interesting. That's weird. I might have to check into this um, this uh, IGN story thing. And you can too, if you uh, check out the, um, uh, the show notes. Next up. Next up, uh, Marvel's MODOK unveils the greatest supervillain trailer ever. I kind of agree. I really enjoyed this trailer. Um, by day, he's the mental organism designed only for killing. And by night, he's just trying to smooth things over with his wife and two kids, which is hysterical. <laughs> if you've ever wondered where MODOK goes at night, the answer is simple. The suburbs. The latest trailer from Marvel's MODOK shows us that this supervillain is just trying to have it all. World domination. Also a healthy work-life balance. <laughs> The the megalomaniacal villain voiced by Patton Oswalt has long pursued his dream of one day conquering the world. But after years of setbacks and failures fighting the Earth's mightiest heroes, MODOK has run his evil organization AIM into the ground. And he's been ousted as AIM's leader as part of the trailer. It's pretty funny. Hmm. Um, yeah, just go watch this. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, It's yeah. like, I've heard it described, I've read it described as... Um, uh, robot chicken with a lot of money that sounds yeah that makes sense from the animation and from what the earlier trailers i saw so yeah that totally makes sense uh worth noting that modok head games number four came out this week neither one of us got a chance to read it right um and also for personally uh transformers formers my little pony (laughs) number one came out this week didn't get a chance to read it but maybe i'll do something about that later on anyway next up um Marvel Disney Plus series gets uh, Chinaka Hodge as his writer, and this is for Ironheart. Uh, the Ironheart series at Disney Plus has tapped uh, Chinaka Hodge to serve as head writer. A, var- a variety has learned exclusively from sources. Um, we know that Ironheart world star Dominic Thorne is the Marvel character Ruby Williams, a genius inventor and creator uh, of the most advanced suit of armor since Iron Man. The show was first announced as being in development through, through, uh, during Disney's Investor Day presentation in December. So, cool. Head writer. Nice. Um, wait, has she done anything? Oh, yes. Hodge is a screenwriter, poet, playwright, and educator. Her past television writing credits include the, the Apple reboot of Amazing Stories, as well as the TNT series adaptation of Snowpiercer, starring David Diggs. Uh, and she has written uh, a few books. So, cool. Uh, oh, she is uh, also a founding member of the hip-hop collective The Get Back, along with uh, David Diggs and others. So, cool. All right. Next up. All right, I'm skipping all of this Captain America yes. stuff, because we talked about it already. Mm-hmm. All right, Thor 4. Oh, my goodness. We talked about this. I think I talked about this last week. I brought it up. We did brought it up. Yeah, we brought it up at least. Uh, Thor 4. Russell Crowe, not worried about the Marvel snipers, apparently. Spoiled his character and a major plot point. What a dingus. All right. (laughs) So he just casually spoiled his character with the reveal 
of this plot point introducing a major addition to the MCU. So uh, an audio clip from Crow's appearance on Joy 94.9 made its way online, featuring the actor casually discussing going to the set of Thor Love and Thunder. I'm going to get on my bicycle. I'm going to ride up to uh, Disney Fox Studios and around about 9.15, I shall be spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, Zeus. Crow revealed, and he's not going to be a uh, uh, tiny Lister from um, <laughs> that Hulk Hogan movie from back in the day. Uh, very good. <laughs> no holds barred. <laughs> no, no, no holds barred. Um, wait, was it No Holds Barred? What's that? No yes, holds thank barred? you. It was No Holds Barred. Yeah. I couldn't remember the title. Hmm. Well, I don't know why I remember <laughs> it. I hate that one. It was that good. <laughs> Um, so he says it's for Thor 4 he continued it's my last day of Zeusing about and I'm going to enjoy it he says what a dipstick hmm. now so, that could possibly I very much doubt it but it could very well possibly be uh, a red herring but I doubt it I doubt it because it's a Thor movie Man. and it makes sense especially given given the fact that they're going to be using um, Gore the God Butcher right it does make sense that they would uh, tie in the Olympian gods. Right. So, well, we'll see how that plays out. Robert Dunn, you know, without, G- having, without having to go to, whatchamacallit, the lengths that the comic book story goes to. Sure. And I guess... You know, establishing other, you know, pantheons and deities. Hmm, I wonder if we're going to see Hercules. You never know. Yeah. Robert Downey Jr. shares Avengers Endgame deleted scene to mark the film's anniversary. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. has shared a behind-the-scenes look at an Avengers in-game deleted scene to mark the film's second anniversary. The film was released in the U.S. on April 26, 2019. The Iron Man actor shared the clip on Twitter, captioned, Cannot believe it's been two years since in-game. Love you. Hashtag love you all 3000. Um, I don't know what this clip, uh, what this behind-the-scenes clip was, but I didn't get a chance to check it out. But there you go, you can check it, it out. Yourself. Non, yeah, it was a non-spoiler, I mean, non-special effect shot. Sure. You know, in front of a green screen, but it does, uh, you know, it's 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 the clip with uh, that, that kind of um, shows what that scene could have looked like. Right. Uh, uh, that you know, it was cut out of the uh, of Endgame because it didn't hit uh, uh, with the the test audiences, I guess. Hmm. Okay. Well, you can see it for yourself in the show notes. Next up. Next up. Um, Gemma Chan's Cersei is the main character of Eternals, sort of. So, uh, as and, and <laughs> I saw a couple of really good on-point memes mm-hmm. about... Uh, about this stuff happening after uh, Chloe Zhao won the Oscar for Best Director and Best Picture for her film Nomadland. Congratulations to her and the team that put those that put that movie together. So, uh, so as I said, Kevin Feige said uh, that if Eternals has a main character amongst its large ensemble cast, it's Gemma Chan Cersei. So. Um, as part of Variety Spotlight on Closure winning the Oscars for uh, Nomadland, um, Variety spoke to Kevin Feige about what he about what the acclaimed director is going to bring to the MCU um, and Eternals, 
which Zhao pitched herself along with producer Nate Moore. Um, they said that it's going to be heavily inspired by Jack Kirby and bring a new level of location shoots and practical effects to the MCU. Um, and is also going to introduce a new group of diverse heroes. Um, let's see here. Yeah, he talks about, you know, Feige went on to talk about the diversity of the gender, sexualities, and, and ethnicities of the characters from the comics, you know, switching them up. Um, and they used that as a, that was like a selling point for Marvel to greenlight this particular picture. And um, Feige went on to detail that while the film features that large ensemble and does not have a specific focus, Cersei, played by Gemma Chen, is pretty much the de facto lead of the film. Um, they looked at it and read all sorts of women for that part and ended up really believing that Gemma was best for it. And thankfully, she's proven that to be the case in the final movie. So that's cool. Um, the one – I don't know if you saw a couple of these memes circulating, but um, – Essentially, they look. They they base the the sequence is fans asking for an Eternals trailer. Uh-huh. No, Close out wins the Oscar, wins the Oscars for No Man Land, and then the next the next part is from Oscar winning director <laughs> Close out I mean, Marvel's Eternals. Yeah, and of course it it definitely did seem like Marvel is was holding off on anything Eternals related until after the Oscars. Right. Yeah, it makes sense. You got to you know as much as I hate to say it, it's Hollywood capitalize on on things like that. And by the way, if you want to check out the article um, that was being referenced, which was I believe that same article that you sent me. Correct. Um, it is in the show notes in the clickbait section. Um, so yeah, you can go check it out uh, at your leisure. Howard the Duck reportedly getting a 4K Ultra HD release. Howard the Duck. Thank you, because I was just about to do it. Um, <laughs> That's like what I remember of that movie. Yeah. I low-key kind of still like that movie, but it was, you know, again, it was it was a time where, I think this was before Blade, so this was a time when still, um, you know, video, uh, excuse me, comic book-based movies weren't great. This one just kind of was like... I'm sure if they would have done this now, it would have been the same way. Like, why does anybody do this? Who did this? Why? But anyway, <laughs> um, How to Duck the Cult 80s film is reportedly receiving a 4K UHD release in celebration of the Willard Hyuk, uh, Hyuk uh, t- directed movie's upcoming 35th anniversary, which there's a lot of 35th anniversaries coming. Um, Dawn of the Disc, I've never heard of this place, reported the release news on Twitter, which, take that as a grain of salt, by the way, because, we don't know, this could be a rumor, this could be smoke. Um, coming to 4K UHD in July from Universal Picks, uh, Harvard did on the more information TBA. So I feel like we would have more information by this point, because it's only a couple of months away, uh, if this were true. Doesn't mean that it couldn't be true, doesn't necessarily mean that it is because, like I said, this doesn't seem like an official source. But it was t- tantalizing enough that I, I would uh, I wanted to um, bring this up. Uh, the account captioned the post with the movie's original poster, which shows the, the character in uh, reading "Rolling Egg" and smoking a cigar. So yeah, we, like I said, we don't know if it's real. I at this point, upon reflection, I'm thinking it's probably not. 
But we'll see. Next up. Next up, uh, Disney Plus Star Wars series Obi-Wan Kenobi is adding Pen15 star and co-creator Maya Erskine. The insecure and scoob actress will have a supporting role in at least three episodes. Erskine has been nominated for multiple WGA awards and a 2019 Emmy for Hulu original comedy Pen15, which she fronts with uh, uh, Anna Conkle. Cool. Oh, yeah, I do remember her from seeing Insecure. I was like, why does this girl look familiar? She is. I do remember her from Insecure. Cool. Um, Apparently, wait, did we know this about who was going to be in this? I know we knew some people. But, um, let's see, Joel Edgerton, Bonnie Piaz, uh, Moses Ingram, Kamel uh, Nanjani, and Dear Problem. We knew those people. Uh, Rupert Friend, O'Shea Jackson Jr., Sun Kang. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Simon Kess, uh, Simone, excuse me, Kessel and Benny Safdie. So I'm like, I didn't, I don't know if we knew that uh, Han was going to be in. No, it was recently though. Okay. Very recently, we actually re- we actually uh, read that in a news story. Okay. It was very like within the last several weeks. Gotcha. I don't know. I forgot. Um, next up though. Blend in. I know. Yeah. Totally. Uh, the Muppets creator Jim Henson is getting a Disney biopic, as uh, somebody I know says, about time. Uh, a biopic highlighting the life of Jim Henson titled Muppet Man. Muppet Man! Uh, is in the works at Disney and the Jim Henson Company. While studying at the University of Maryland, Henson created Sam and Friends, a five-minute puppet uh, comedy television show featuring the initial version of the beloved character Kermit the Frog. And I believe there's been some... Um, some stuff on Twitter about that uh, recently as a month or in the last month. More than two decades left after Sam and Friends began, Henson's The Muppet Show premiered in 1976, which won four primetime Emmys throughout its five-year run. You can also see it on Disney+. Plus. Uh, although The Muppet Show only lasted five years, The Muppets have remained prominent characters in pop culture even after Henson's death due to various, spin- uh, due to various spin-off shows and movies, including Muppet Now... And, of course, the Muppet movie and, and subsequent movies after that, which are all mostly on Disney+. Plus. Next up. Next up, James Gunn revealed the first look at the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Gunn posted the cover page of the first draft uh, to the script to Twitter with a simple message, this is the wrapping, the present is inside. In keeping with the holiday spirit, Gunn is referred to as, quote, long elf, end quote, on the title page. Totally could have been a in a box. Um, no ah. one, but anyway. Uh, yeah, I think uh, it also was said that uh, James Gunn also supposedly really liked the Star Wars special, which obviously this is kind of going off of. Um, and then bunches of people are like, yeah, we did too, liars. None of y'all like the thing. You're all liars. Next up, uh, in sports ball news, ESPN Plus will stream a Marvel-themed NBA game on May 3rd. Uh, on May 3rd, uh, the Golden State Warriors and New Orleans Pelicans, so two not not necessarily notable teams. Maybe they are. I don't know or care. Uh, We'll square off. When was the last time anybody talked about Golden State? Well, it's because they've been suffering a lot. They suffered a lot of injuries recently. So, you know, they're they're not exactly contenders. You know, uh, Clay Thompson has been hurt for basically two years in a row. 
So it's basically Steph Curry and a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, there you go. Steph Curry and a bunch of people. And as far as the Pelicans are concerned, who even knows or cares? Next up. I mean, not next up, but... Um, I was about to say, that Zion Williamson is uh, playing for uh, the Pelicans, so... Hey, I don't follow sports ball like that. Um, we, we've we've already established who yes. the sports fan is, or yes. one of the sports fans is on uh, uh, on this show. That is correct. Uh, you'll be able I to watch. Don't follow soccer or football, as it were. Footy, yes. Well, and well, that's not and that's not Tim even follow, a sport. Yeah, Tim follows the uh, the uh, uh, the pro sports around him and he and uh, college football too. He does. Uh, I was about to say, and some of y'all like rest us, them too like wrestling, but that's not a sport. I said it. Anyway, um, you'll be able it's to match. entertainment, dang it. Yeah, it's entertainment for crazy people. Anyway, let me stop. Um, oh, I was opera. about to say, shots fired. It's a soap opera. It's, it's a soap opera. Stop it. You'll be able to watch the matchup on ESPN, and it very well could be great, entertaining, and be a game. But you might uh, have way more fun if you watch it on ESPN2, ESPN Plus, or ESPN, whatever uh, that is instead. A Marvel-themed Arena of Heroes broadcast will air on those platforms on what will be just... Uh, wait, will be just he second... Which would be the second occasion that ESPN Plus has streamed a live NBA game. Superheroes including Black Panther, Iron Man, Doctor Strange, Captain America will appear... Uh, while commentators will call the game from a Marvel-themed studio. There will be a Marvel storyline running through the game as the as the Avengers, quote-unquote, will hold a series of contests. Some would say a contest of champions, I guess, but maybe these people mm-hmm. don't know that. Uh, hold a series of contests where the winners earn the right to train and fight along them as Marvel's champions, according to ESPN. That corporate synergy just keeps on a trucking. Uh, I'm gonna tune in. I normally wouldn't tune into uh, ESPN Plus to watch an NBA game, but uh, you know, because it is on ESPN. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I might just um, uh, uh, flip open a laptop or uh, uh, pull you know uh, uh, pull up a, a tablet and, and see what it looks like on ESPN Plus. So yeah, so apparently the 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 contest will focus on three players from each team. Uh, obviously, Steph Curry, uh, Draymond Green. And Andrew Wiggins and uh, Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, and Lonzo Ball. You know, son of the big ball of brain. Um, alternate. You know that, though. I did know that, but that's, you know, from kind of sort of other places, regardless. Uh, alternates will be chosen if any of those athletes can't play. Uh, bring back Rack and Jog b-ball next uh the the players will earn marvel hero points for every rebound assist steal block and point they rack up but if there's a turnover or player misses a field goal or free throw they lose hero points whichever player accrues the most hero points will be crowned marvel's first champion so congratulations steph curry I, i'm joking i have don't know don't know if any of that would be true but i know stuff's real good um so yeah that's that's a thing yeah you let me know how that thing works out may 3rd folks next up Next up, Worf actor, Commander Worf, uh, actor Michael Dorn teases Star Trek return, but Paramount shoots down Picard rumors. Worf actor Michael Dorn says that he's being, quote, summoned back into action on Twitter, but Paramount shot down the possibility of the beloved character appearing on one of the numerous Star Trek shows currently airing on Paramount+. Plus. Unfortunately, uh, 
a Paramount representative confirmed that uh, this has nothing to do with a Star Trek universe on Paramount uh, plus original series. Um, this is from IGN. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Yeah, the, uh, the speculation was that he would be joining Picard season two. Uh, Dorn last appeared in 2002 Star Trek Nemesis, but he has been attached to several Star Trek-related projects over the years, including Star Trek Online and the fan-made web series Star Trek Continues. So what else would it be then? Because like the only thing, other thing I was thinking of, which would still fall in line with what was just said, was, well, okay, so he's gonna either going to be on Discovery or have a voice part in Lower Decks, which, again, I think both... I actually don't know about Lower Decks, but I know uh, Discovery is definitely on Paramount+. Plus. I don't know. We'll find out whenever it happens, or whatever right. it might be. Um, Supergirl's time-traveling teaser, say that five times fast, introduces a teenage Kara. Uh, Brainiac 5 and Dreamer go to 2009 in the promo for next week's... This week's, maybe? Probably this week's? Yes, this week's uh, Supergirl prom night. Uh, the promo starts with Nia telling the rest of the super friends ha, 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 that in order to get Kara out of the Phantom Zone, they have to go back in time. Uh, this is followed by Alex Danvers telling Brainy and Nia not to mess her past up. During these scenes, uh, text reading uh, half a blast in the past uh, appears. So, okay. Things have been going on at the Circle K. Um, things are afoot. That's okay, but regardless, next up. Next up, Patrick Wilson has teased his return in Aquaman 2. The actor who played Arthur Curry's brother Orm in Aquaman posted to Instagram to reveal he started preparing for the sequel. The caption reads, Let the training commence. Hashtag Aquaman 2. Hashtag guess who's back. Guess who's back. Orm is back. <laughs> Speaking of also being back, uh, Amber Heard also begins training for Mira's return in Aquaman 2. So Amber Heard confirms at the start of her training to play Mira again in Aquaman 2. Uh, Warner Brothers gave director James Wan But basically we sit here and we see a uh, picture uh, from her Instagram of her training on the rings. Uh, and uh, I guess she likes uh, City Girls. There you go. Next up. Next up, Joe Manganiello uh, offers details on why... uh, Get out of the way. On why Deathstroke hates Batman and Ben Affleck's The Batman. Um, Where did he talk about this? I feel like we talked about this a little bit already. Mm. Um, I'm of it. All right. So apparently the way uh, Manganiello saw the script was that the way it was written at the time was that Batman was blamed by Slade for the death of his son, I guess, Ravager. Slade's son gets killed. There were some events that led back to Bruce, that led back to Batman, and that he had a hand in it. Uh, So Slade blamed him. Word was on the street that Slade wanted to kill Batman. That's why he was summoned to Lex Luthor's yacht and given a key piece of information to help with uh, that as well. So that Slade could potentially get rid of Batman. Okay. Wait, I thought Ravager was Rose. Or maybe she ends up being... You know, I was about to say, she's the second Ravager. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. Doesn't matter. 
No, because we're never going to see that movie anyway. <laughs> but I'm talking about in the comic uh, yeah, no, I know. that I remember. Right. <laughs> so, Michael Keaton's Batman confirmed to return to The Flash, which I feel like we already had this confirmation, but I don't know. Um, after a month of emotional whirlwinds for fans from recasting to potential necessitation of more rewrites, the long-awaited Ezra Miller-fronted DC Extended Universe outing The Flash is finally shooting in London. But even more exciting is that the rap has confirmed that Michael Keaton will indeed be returning as Batman for the film. You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. Mm. Uh, Keaton's return has been one that's gone back and forth since it was first announced. So, yeah, apparently this is... Uh, and with the most recent word coming from the actor himself in an interview in which he expressed doubt over joining the, pro- uh, the project, which I think we may have talked about. But, yeah, so apparently this thing and it's going to happen. Uh, next... Next up, uh, we've learned that Mortal Kombat composer Benjamin Walfish is set to score the comic book uh, movie The Flash. Walfish previously worked with um, Andy Muschietti, the that's the director, I believe. I think so. On It Chapter 1 and It Chapter 2, and also worked on DC Shazam, as well as The Invisible Man, Hidden Figures, and A Cure for Wellness. His new score for Mortal Kombat is available to stream right now and features an awesome new rendition of the popular Techno Syndrome or Mortal Kombat theme song. Okay. Uh, Which, yeah, I've recently watched uh, Mortal Kombat, and it kind of just, yeah, it's kind of a slightly similar remix of the Mortal Kombat theme without. It doesn't matter. Speaking of Mortal Kombat, uh, Mortal Kombat started to lead a new spy series. Um, The highly anticipated adaptation of David Ignatius' novel Quantum Spy has found its series lead in Mortal Kombat's Louis Tan. Uh, He will also co-executive produce the pilot episode. Quantum Spy is an espionage thriller about the race between the United States and China to build the first world's first hyper-fast quantum computer. Uh, as reported by Variety, Tan is, is uh, set to play a Chinese-American CIA officer, Harris Chang, uh, tasked with hunting down a traitor. Uh, he, as, he tries down, as he tracks down his target, he gets caught up in an ever-expanding maze of spiral masters and assassins and other stuff. So yeah, good on him. Next. Oh, we are in the rollover spinoff. Okay. Uh, uh, Mikod Brooks or Mekod Brooks? Uh, uh, Jimmy revealed... Olsen. What's that? Jimmy Olsen. X to some folks. But anyway, keep going. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Yeah. Uh, has revealed how he helped develop his role as Jax Briggs in Mortal Kombat. So he said in an interview with The Root that the preparation for the character is mind, body, and spirit. He discussed the physical training regimen he went through for the role, saying he gained 25 pounds. He's in the gym six days a week, sometimes twice a day. And he's doing fight choreography, boxing training, army boxing training five days a week. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, I, as I just said, I just watched uh, Mortal Kombat. That movie, I'm still trying to come to grips with that movie. It has some decent parts in it, but I think 95 one is better. Um, I may okay. actually watch it again. Huh? I said, okay. Um, but there's going to be that much to digest. It kind of, it, 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 they did some things. They made some choices. 
Um, I, I will say that. So I'm not, I'm not necessarily going to get into the here, but yeah, they made they made a couple of choices on how some things worked in this uh, iteration of it, and I, I wasn't too crazy about Kano as most people are. But speaking of uh, Mortal Kombat's Kano, and by the way, I said to Jimmy Olsen because he recently played. He was a uh, Supergirl. He was on Supergirl for the up until recently as Jimmy Olsen. Uh, and also he, a lot of people know him from Eggs as, uh, in uh, True Blood, which you probably may or may not know. I don't know. Regardless, Mortal Kombat's Kano describing scribes ripping out the uh, spoiler's heart. So yeah, there was a scene where, uh, of course, in Mortal Kombat fashion, a heart gets ripped out, uh, and the the Kano actor uh, explains the practical effects that went into doing said scene. Um, again, they made some choices, folks. Next up, director of more of the new Mortal Kombat movie, Simon McCoy, has explained why the long-awaited adaptation does not involve a martial arts tournament. Uh, for years, the various early installments of the game involved a brutal martial arts tournament to the death, but even this has changed as time has gone on. Uh, let's see. Why did he say it's? It, it, why does he say that it that that it's changed just because it's it's changed in the games as well? I got to pull up the article now. So, um, well, yes, because the 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 Mortal Kombat the the, the video game in itself uh, surrounded itself around a, a, a tournament, the Mortal Kombat tournament. It was mentioned in the the movie and the in the ninety five and um, and the ninety six seven whatever other movie. Uh, Annihilation also was set around the tournament proper. Like, they actually had the tournament. This movie did not have said tournament, but it kind of set up the tournament happening in another one. And I believe the one of the writers said they had set it up to be a trilogy, so I don't know if that's actually going to happen. But if they do a next another film, uh, I believe um, that the tournament will actually happen uh, in the next film. Uh, if they, if you know, if they go by how they set it up. Next up, uh, Netflix announces Cobra Kai season four, 2021 release William uh, window. So good news, Eagle Fang fans. Uh, Cobra Kai season four is definitely coming out in 2021, according to Netflix via its via its latest investor call. In fact, we now even have a title release date uh, release window for the Karate Kid sequel series. Uh, Q4 2021, alongside some other stuff, and the, like The Witcher season two. So that could be anywhere from October to December. Cool. Next up. Uh, next up in a Reddit Ask Me Anything, Godzilla vs. Kong director Adam Wingard explained why Charles Dance's character from uh, King of the Monsters is absent in uh, Godzilla vs. Kong. So, um, <laughs> in some dark, sarcastic humor, uh, Wingard made no effort to let fans down gently. He said, Godzilla stepped on him in between movies, unfortunately, but seriously, he loves Charles Dance, one of his favorite actors. Um, you know, the response may be in jest, but it's certainly possible that Godzilla King of the Monsters was Dance's swan song in the role. Mm-hmm. So one of the many things those those movies didn't answer, especially uh, Godzilla versus Kong, was why that did not happen. 
and we talked about it already, so we're not going to go back on to that. But yeah, there's a lot of things that were not answered. Or matter of fact, I just rewatched that movie Kong versus uh, I mean, I got to watch Kong like last night because it's going off. By the way, uh, folks, today will be the last day for um, uh, excuse me, Friday, April 30th, uh, as of this recording, which was on which started on the 29th. Um, will be the last day that Godzilla vs. Kong is on HBO Max. So if you haven't seen it by now, uh, or you want to squeeze in a rewatch like myself, it's time to it's time to pull it up on HBO Max. Basically, and I believe it's through today. So you got was well, it's through the thirtieth. So you got all day uh, if you catch this uh, episode before, which I don't think you will for the audio version, unless you happen to watch the video versions uh, in the, in between times this goes out. By the time this comes out on audio, this that'll be a done deal. Um, but next up, oh wait, did we do that last one? No, yeah, because that was the one you just did. Um, Han's return in F9 has Jason Statham's attention. They better bring me back, he says. So, uh, Jason Statham is hoping that the return of Sun Kang as Han Lu, um, in Fast Furious 9 means that Deckard Shaw won't, Shaw won't be far behind. Uh, after Han, we already know what happened to Han. In Tokyo Drift, or what perceived to happen in in Tokyo Drift, um, so yeah, I guess he's saying that um, that because Han's still around. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they actually did something like that because it's not it's not outside the realm of possibilities. You know, they brought back villains, and heck, they brought him back in the first place for some after he killed them. You know, so. I mean, they brought him in, rather. They brought uh, in in the first place after he killed Han for that reason. So why? I don't know. Would it be necessary that there's a showdown between them? Who knows? Uh, but, or maybe he's the reason why, or maybe they're working. No, we were working together. It's just like Letty, but not really. No, but it has to be dealt with. That's that's what I want. Right. I want to see. <laughs> Justice for know. Han. Yes. I yes, exactly. <laughs> spit it out just as it was on my tongue. Uh-huh. I, I knew where you were going. I knew where you were going. Next up, though. You know, so I'm not at all surprised that he even <laughs> has to say, that Statham has to come out and say, they better bring me back. Of course you're coming back. <laughs> we got to deal with your ass. All <laughs> right, next up. Um, you know how the series goes. <laughs> to celebrate the long-awaited release of F9, Universal Pictures is bringing all eight of the previous Fast and Furious films back to theaters at no charge. Beginning April 30th, which is later today, the screenings will take place every Friday for eight weeks at more than 900 theaters nationwide, including AMC Theaters, Regal, Cinemark, Marcus, Harkins, Showcase, Santicos. There's a whole list of of, uh, theaters here. You can check this out. Um, the screening schedule is as follows. So this Friday, the 30th, uh, tomorrow by our uh, recording date today, they're going to show the original, The Fast and the Furious. Next Friday, uh, May 7th is Too Fast, Too Furious, and so on and so on. All the way through Friday, June 18th, where they end with The Fate of the Furious. So yeah, they are really banking on the 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 the, the this franchise to bring people back in the mo- to, to the movie theaters apparently, and that's going into this next um, um, article we got. Uh, I'm still not going to the theater, and I own all of these on tape uh, on um, on DVD or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. 
So, nice try. No. Vin Diesel wants Fast and Furious 9 to help save theaters in new trailer. More like, I think they called upon I don't know, he might, but I think they called upon him, like, look, you won't do this or, or not. <laughs> Vin Diesel and Fast and Furious 9 show their support for movie theaters in a new AMC exclusive trailer. Uh, Diesel will return once more as Dominique Toretto for Fast and Furious 9. Duh. Um, so yeah, that was a new trailer that came out recently. Actually, because it's kind of funny, because I was actually um, talking to a friend of mine uh, and who I thought at the time had not seen the new trailer. And I think we talked about the self-same, tra- the self-same friend that I was talking about, uh, who showed up in the chat earlier. Hey, Cammie. Um, uh, um, who I thought had not seen, but I think she had seen eight. Uh, to, to, and that's where we stumbled upon this new trailer um, on YouTube. And it starts off with, you know, um, you know, Vin Diesel kind of coming out of a car or kind of rolling up on the car and starts talking about, hey, we need movie theaters, you know, the movie theater experience or blah, 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 blah. You have to watch it for yourself. So uh, I did not see any AMC branding on that video that I saw, but now this makes way more sense. Uh, and it says here, if you're watching the video, for hundreds of years we have come together to be entertained by the movies. Uh, Vin Diesel is ready to make you believe in the power of movies again with the newest installers of the Fast 9. Uh, opens 25 and then of course uh, link to the trailer uh, in this uh, Twitter post so yeah you may want to check it out but it's still some of the same footage it may be a, little, a couple more things but it's some of the same footage in the other tra- trailers that we've seen so far next I was going to say I may consider mm-hmm. consider watching that in the theaters because the Fast and Furious movies really should be watched in the theaters, but yeah. I did not watch eight because I just had no, you know, like I, I had a, a bad, I a bad feeling about eight. I just did, and I was right. Mm-hmm. Well, I had a bad feeling about eight, but my hope is with the return of uh, of Han that might actually get me going into the theaters uh, to watch nine. I am fully vaccinated, thankfully, mm-hmm. but uh, you know. It all depends. You know, I'll talk to some friends who uh, may want to organize and see if they're going to be vaccinated in time. So we'll see. Um, next up, Mask is available to stream for free from Shout Factory. You can now find all 65 episodes of the 80s cult classic Super Spy Transforming Car cartoon series, Mask, on Shout Factory site streamable for free. Free 99. Yep. I I felt like it, this might have been up there already, but since I was, they just had a marathon of Mask on on their Twitch channel, and I don't recall seeing this on here before now, even though I have already bought all the, the, the DVDs of this. So thanks, Shout Factory. Um, yeah. But regardless, it's out there. You can go check out the magic and the majesty for yourselves. Next up, Flintstone sequel uh, series in the works at Fox. Fox is teaming up with Warner Brothers Animation to create Bedrock. Twist, twist. An upcoming animated sequel uh, series to the iconic animation sitcom The Flintstones. The new show will be aimed at adults, adult audiences rather than kids. Oh dear. Will star Elizabeth Banks uh, from Modern Family 30 Rock. Um, wait, wasn't she in a Flintstones movie? Who's that? Uh, Elizabeth Banks. I don't remember. I don't Either remember. Way, 
Uh, news of the series getting a green light comes via the Hollywood Reporter. Uh, let's see. Uh, Banks, who is executive producing the series, will voice a grown-up Pebbles Flintstone in a show that takes place 20 years after the 60s ABC series. I uh, know the co-stars or premise details have been yet announced, but it's also worth noting that this isn't Fox's first go at reviving the Flintstones. Uh, apparently, Seth MacFarlane got a series order for a reboot, that, uh, but that version didn't progress beyond some early scripts. Uh, in fact, this isn't the first time a Pebbles-centric Flintstones sequel has been attempted, with the short-lived Pebbles and Bam Bam show running from one season. Yes, I do remember that. Uh, the... Uh, yeah, Pebbles and Batman had their own Flintstones show, and they basically, yeah. Anyway, next up. I'm literally looking for mask, looking for a mask right now on Shout Factory, but I don't see it. Oh, you should have clicked the link. Oh, I see Mask Season 1. There it is. I just, all I did was was, was search for mask, and it's not the first uh, search result. Hmm. The first search result is like something else. Sure. And then the next result is the Lone Ranger. <laughs> well, there is a mask involved. But it is further down. It gotcha. is further down. Alrighty, next up. Um, new details have been revealed for The Continental, the John Wick spin-off series that takes place 40 years before the films, including that Keanu Reeves will not be making an appearance. Lionsgate Television Chairman Kevin Beggs told Deadline that the new prequel series will be focused upon a younger version of Ian McShane's Winston and will be set in 1970s New York City. They're exploring in the Continental a young Winston and how it came to be that he and his team of Confederates found their way into this hotel, which we have met for the first time in the movie franchise 40 years later. Okay. By the way, how the hell do you have Lance Reddick um, in... Uh, uh, um, uh, named in Godzilla versus Kong, but give him like two minutes. You just have yeah, they cut the scene. Years. I think we talked about it. We they cut the scene where he has a lot of stuff going on. But still, it was still like even the, the criminally underused Lance Reddick. What are you doing? Anyway, end rant. Um, ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, some sad news ending out the cinematic news. Uh, Dragon Ball Z composer Shinsuke uh, Kichuki, K- Kikuchi, excuse me, passes away at age. Why did it? Wow, that's a typo. Eighty-nine. Um, the world is also in legends. The Japanese Society of for Rights of Authors, Composers, and Publishers uh, announced uh, on the twenty-eighth. That uh, Shunsuke Kichikuchi, well known for being the composer for Dragon Ball Z and uh, Doraemon, has passed away at April 24th at the age of 89. Uh, Kikuchi had effectively retired from composing in 2017 due to undisclosed illness. Uh, it was explained that Kikuchi had died while undergoing treatment for um, aspiration uh, pneumonia. So, um, when you messaged me, I wasn't sure if you were talking about this. Oh, no, I was just talking about my experience, um, right. uh, uh, filling in and, and this is, uh, um, it's not new to, uh, listeners and viewers of our show. I am currently working on my anime blind spot. And, uh, part of that is 
watching the foundational Dragon Ball uh, anime. Mm-hmm. And I've already made it through the original Dragon Ball, and I am mid, roughly midway through, maybe a little more, a little less midway through. Actually, no, more than midway through now. Mm-hmm. I'm in season five. Right. Yeah, so I'm more than midway through Z, Dragon Ball Z. So what the, the what I was referring to, I don't know if uh, Shinsuke uh, Kakuchi-san is, um, or Sama, because he's older. Right. Um uh, uh, compose this particular bit that is apparently famous from Dragon Ball Z. I you know, the chala head chala. Right. I'm looking it up now and doesn't appear to be the case. Right. I don't think he did the theme, but he did the incidental music. So, da 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 the scene setting and the background in Dragon Ball Z is by Shinsuke Kikuchi. Mm-hmm. Um, how will how will Agent Seventy? What will Agent Seventy think of uh, Dragon Ball as a whole when he finishes his uh, his um, watch? Find out on the next Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> you got to do one of those every now and then, just to be you know, just to make you feel something. All right, now we're going to say you know what? I have a I have a sound effect for this too. Okay. I, I knew it was that one too because I was about to say was it is it Kame, the Kamehameha? Yep, and I was totally right. I love that you say Kamehameha because yeah, I'm like know. that's not the Hawaiian king we're talking I about. I know, I know, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of. I was like, why? Well, okay, sure, you know. Yeah, Dragon Ball's weird, but I love it. Um, so people, you know, we'll talk about it later. But you know, people are weird. I'm like Dragon Ball is not true anime. Shut up. What? Anyway. It's because they because people are like well if all, if all you like is Dragon Ball you don't like anime because it's just because blah 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 you know how people get hey um, okay, I'm gonna have to look into that particular argument and see what the pro and con of that is or, or the for and against silly. it's real silly like like no it's anime it's like just because like yeah I, I in a way I kind of get it because it's like yeah if that's all you know and you know and you're not branching out to anything else but that's still doesn't mean that you're not an anime fan just because that's all you like. Like it's it's, it. it's real stupid gatekeeping stuff. Um, but anyway, uh, we're going to move on to the comic book news. Bink now accepting retailer grant applications. So the Book Industry Charitable Foundation has begun accepting comic and the bookstore applications for grants under its new Survive to Thrive program, which was seeded with $1 million uh, contributions from Ingram, Bookshop.org, and several large book publishers. The program will grant up to $10,000, depending on the final contribution tally, to 200 comic book stores and booksellers. Um, there's an application that you can uh, sign up by the my May 10th at uh, 5 p.m. Eastern. Uh, identifying information about the stores uh, applying will not be seen by the group reviewing the applications. And it'll go through a process. And you know, yeah, So if you know of a bookstore or, are, or own a bookstore or come book store that uh, might want to look into this, or if you haven't already, you might want to check this out. Next up. Next up, Mantic Games announces a retailer pledge level for Hellboy the board game, which includes four expansions and Hellboy the dice game. Um, 
Yeah, so this is a retail retailer pledge level for this uh, Kickstarter. Um, uh, the four expansions each add new miniatures and associated board game components to the mix. And there's lots of uh, stuff here for the game. Uh, the retailer pledge requires a $139 deposit and is going to allow them to apply Mantic's normal retailer discounts to all the available order options through the campaign. Uh, through the publication of this article, uh, April 27th, um, the Hellboy the Board Game is fully funded at, at uh, wow, you know, uh, more than twice what they were asking. And delivery for this product is estimated for June 2022. Hmm. Turns out really people really like board games and Kickstarter board games are... Sometimes do good deals, get some good numbers, weirdly enough. And I guess the comic the book spin on this doesn't, you know, people like Hellboy, so I guess, sure. That that was like was part of the biggest surprise. Like, wow, people are going for a Hellboy, uh, a Hellboy board game this much. But hey, it is what it is. Uh, get on the Demon Slayer train, train, train. Get the first uh, volume of Demon Slayer digital manga free for a limited time. Uh, to say that people are hyped for the Demon Slayer movie is an understatement of the century. That's kind of true. Uh, the movie smashed all j- records in Japan and did actually pretty well here in the first few days it was out. And it's been long and painful wait for it to come to the States. But it's finally here. If you've never read the manga, then you're only getting part of the experience to help you get on the Demon Slayer manga train, which, by the way, the movie is called Mugen Train. Haha, ha, I see what they did there. Uh, we're making the first volume digital, the first digital volume of the manga free. So you can get it from Comixology, Google Play, iBooks, Kindle, and Nook. Um, excuse me, offer ends 52321. So you can get the first volume of the, the Demon Slayer manga. If you don't already have it, chances are if you like Demon Slayer and you're enough of a weeb, you already got this. No! <laughs> But um, I just found out what that meant, Weeb. Yes, yeah, we talked about that before the show. I just <laughs> found that out. Um, next up, all right, I'm scrolling back, scrolling back. All right, monster hunting former Padawan stars in the High Republic graphic novel. IDW Publishing has just revealed a new preview for an upcoming original Star Wars graphic novel featuring the exploits of former Padawan turned monster hunter Ty Yorick. This ex-Jedi will be a new character operating during the days of the High Republic era, and the monster of Temple Peak will reveal her past and history. Okay. So, yeah, I believe this is still Phase 1 stuff in that, and I think this was, this was definitely stuff that's been um, that's unknown quantity. So now it's finally starting to come out. Uh, next up, though, uh, Artbook reveals the most interesting ideas behind Star Wars The Galaxy's Edge. Excuse me. Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, there was no doubt. Uh, publisher Abrams continues his history of producing excellent Star Wars art books with the art of Star Wars Galaxy Edge, a new volume that uses first-hand interviews and never-before-seen concept art to detail the creative process behind Disney's most ambitious theme park land. The result is a surprisingly thorough examination of what went into the creation of the planet Batu uh, and details on some concepts that got left on the co- uh, cutting room floor. Um, I think this was by author Amy Radcliffe and other folks, and there's um, some art along with uh, this article that you can check out for yourself if you're interested in getting this book. 
Next. Next up, a remake of the 2003 Bioware RPG Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic is reportedly in the works at Port Studio Aspire Media. The news was, re- was revealed by Bloomberg reporter Jason Schreier during an interview with Ben Hansen of Min Max. Okay. Uh, they confirmed that Asper, which is the company that has ported a bunch of uh, Knights of the Old Republic games, is working on the remake. Okay. Yeah, Aspire has been doing a lot of ports and stuff lately, so they've been a bigger, bigger fan. Oh, Aspire, okay. Yeah, I think it's called Aspire. I'm not, I'm not sure which way it goes, but... Um, yeah, it does. Like a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a spin on Aspire. Right. And it could very well be the spire, but um, um, but yeah. So they've been they've been a, becoming a bigger player in the last few years with ports and other, uh, I think, um, publishing things lately. So yeah, we'll look look more for that stuff. Uh, rumor: Mortal Kombat Studio making Marvel fighting game, possibly. Uh, yuddy, yuddy, yuddy. Um, sorry. Uh, what am I doing here? Bap. So, Mortal Kombat developer NetherRealm Studios is owned by Warner Brothers, if you didn't already know. Uh, Warner Brothers Interactive, specifically. Allowing it to work on games like uh, Mortal Kombat vs. DC Universe, which is the, the first thing. But also Injustice, uh, and Injustice uh, 2, Gods Among Us. Um, you may have heard of it. Uh, the general assumption has been that NetherRealm's next game would be Injustice 3, but a new rumor suggests that the studio's next game <clears throat> may be something in, else entirely. If the rumors are believed to be true, NetherRealm's next game could be a Marvel fighting game. Uh, and again, some leaker, um, you know, some leaker said that. So again, grain of salt. But it's tantalizing enough, personally. To I, I, I don't know if I would want NetherRealm to do this because they already got Injustice DC and Injustice and stuff. <laughs> I kind of want Capcom to do it, but as we saw with Capcom, uh, you, uh, Marvel vs. Capcom 3, uh, uh, excuse me, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, I don't know where they are with that anymore, but I wouldn't, wouldn't mind having a Marvel uh, fighting game if it was done well. Can we get a Def Jam fighting game? Another Def Jam fighting game again. That's all I'm asking for, though. Next up. Marvel Strike Force developer Boundless Entertainment has officially pulled back the curtains and revealed Kestrel, the first all-original character in the game, also known as Major Sybil Tan. Kestrel was designed by Boundless Entertainment in collaboration with Marvel and will be joining the ever-growing roster of recognizable and beloved heroes and villains. Boundless Boundless Entertainment and Scopely gave Game Informer a fresh look at the character through new details, new art, and her first trailer. Okay. It kind of looks like, well, one looks like she looks like a, um, and granted, this is a concept art, but um, she looks like an Overwatch character, but also the suit also looks like a, a, an Overwatch character. Um, and I feel like that was intentional. Um, but also, I guess if we, we apply some MCU standards, it's just like the, the, the kind of like the yellow jacket armor from Ant-Man, but not really. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, this totally looks like Mercy from Overwatch. I think that's Mercy. Regardless, um, there we go, Strike Force. She's uh, going to be a part of that and probably coming to the, um, more than likely coming to the comics at some point. 
because you know what's funny is that she is of Malaysian descent. Yes. So I wonder if they would bring her into um, a future of Agents of Atlas or um, you know wherever we next see Wave and or uh, Arrow. Right, because that's what they kind of did with Luna Snow, which, which mm-hmm. came out of another, um, uh, I think, a future fight, which where she came out of. So yeah, exactly, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. Next up, uh, let's see. No, it's a, it's you. I did this. Uh, oh. I did this special oh. one. Uh, Marvel and Viz team up for Marvel Meow and Deadpool Samurai. Uh, Marvel Comics and Viz Media will publish Marvel manga in English under a new wide-ranging deal that includes both manga and books. The companies announced today, or uh, announced on the 22nd, rather. Uh, the first title will be released this fall, with others planned for 2022. The companies have already been collaborating in Japan, where Viz-related um, company Shueisha um, published the manga one-shot Deadpool Samurai last year, and then began publishing an ongoing series in free in its free digital magazine Shonen Jump Plus. Uh, and then the uh, company Spin, the first title is this collaboration features Cap- Captain Marvel's cat Chewie in Marvel Meow by Niao Fuji. Uh, and of course the aforementioned Deadpool uh, Samurai. And looks like let's see, it'll be fourteen ninety nine when it comes out on October twelfth, and uh, February twenty two. Marvel and Visual release uh, Deadpool Samurai. Um, no, no, uh, no, um, no price. So yeah, there you go. Next. All right. Uh... Next up is a first look provided by Marvel of uh, Jean Luen Yang and DK Ruan's Shang-Chi number one, the new ongoing series that is kicking off this May. Um, it is coming out, the number one issue is coming out on May 19th. And um, this article has some words from, uh, has some, has some uh, information from. Uh, Jean Luen Yang about where this series is going and how um, it follows up directly upon it follows up on what happened in the previous miniseries where Shang-Chi or Shang-Chi has uh, finally taken his place as the leader of the Five Weapon Society. And he's going to be interacting with a lot more uh, Marvel characters in uh, this ongoing yeah, apparently, yeah. If this um, if this cover is an indication, in 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 um, in a weird way, I guess. But uh, yeah, as uh, 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 Agent Seventy has uh, reminded me recently on um, on Twitter, it it is pronounced Shang Chi. So there you go, folks. Now you know official. Next up, um. Th- Marvel Voices Pride number one will introduce a brand new uh, LGBTQ plus character this June. Um, and apparently there's an update to this story that says that um, 
Marvel has announced that its June Marvel Voices Pride One Shot will celebrate, uh, which celebrates the publisher's uh, LGBTQ plus characters, will also de- debut a brand new character. Although they're not giving away any further hints about who the new character is or how they will fit in the Marvel universe. Uh, no hints aside from them, apparently. Well, no hints aside from them apparently appearing on the special variant cover from artist Luciano Vecchio which uh, features dozens of LGBTQ characters from the Marvel Universe. Almost looks like the 25th anniversary covers. Um, That, uh, yep, and it also says it. In homage to the iconic Marvel's 25th anniversary covers released in 1985, this cover spotlights Marvel's tapestry of LGBTQ plus characters and will reveal a brand new hero who is set to make their debut within the upcoming one-shot. Cool. Next. Next up, get ready for X-Men's Hellfire Gala with with a free guide coming in April. Hellfire Gala is a public display of uh, what most X-Men fans already knew. Marvel's mutants have evolved. Ahead of the 12-part June Comics event, Marvel is publishing a guide to it all called Hellfire Gala Guide. And uh, depending on where you get your comics from, it could be free. Free 99. Mm -hmm. Um, The Hellfire Gala Guide will be available April 28th. That's... uh, Oh, that was this week. I didn't get one. Five weeks before the first chapter of Hellfire Gala goes on sale. Marvel's giving out free copies to comic book stores based on their previous Marvel orders. Ah, that's why. With additional copies sold at wholesale price of $10 per bundle of $25. Marvel hasn't announced any plans to make Hellfire Gala guide available digitally. Interesting. I'm going to have to search this out this weekend. Yeah, I believe we did get get a copy of it in our review copies, but yeah. We did? Mm Mm-hmm. I'll be darned. So we can either way you can check it out. But yeah, check it out if you're interested. Um, if or if your store you know has it, you can get it for free. Next up, Marvel superheroes are the most world's most popular study de- uh, determines apparently. Uh, a new study shows that Marvel's heroes and villains have the edge over the inhabitants of the DC universe because, as we have said, DC stays losing. That's just me saying that. Um, ah, shout out to Eclectic. Shout out to Eclectic, exactly. Um, a study con- conducted by Game Analyzed. Wait. Oh, uh, a study con- conducted by Game analyzed uh, Google search volumes across the world and found that Marvel takes the lead in 51 countries. The majority of the f- of Marvel fans live in the United States, with India and Brazil coming in a second and third places, uh, respectively. DC plans have their biggest representation in South Korea, with other countries such as Russia, China, also favoring the distinguished composition. That's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, but as you can see here, if you are looking at the video version, sometimes you probably do it. This is, seems to be the breakdown of the said study, I guess. Um, there's a there's a map, and then there's one into. Uh, in a red state, blue state style for, for the uh, United States. Um, and no surprise where South Carolina is on that. And of course, broken down by most popular superhero in the, in the world. Um, wait, Europe and Russia being Wonder Woman. Interesting. 
and then a lot of spidey. Well, it's funny on that map. I, I I actually saw this article as well. On that map, New York shows up as DC, but that's got to be upstate because I have this this, this uh, singular feeling that uh, the five boroughs probably leans Marvel. Yeah, you would think so, giving headquarters. I mean, amongst <laughs> other reasons, but yeah. I mean, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people still think of New York City as Gotham because right. they call it that. Sure. But um, my that's just my own personal feeling. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you can see the breakdown for for um, for all of the all of that in the show notes. Next up. Next up, uh, DC announces Suicide Squad Get Joker by Brian Azzarello and Alex Maleev. Um, they are going to collaborate for the first time in Suicide Squad, Get Joker, DC's new three-issue oversized Prestige Plus format uh, series pitting Red Hood, Harley Quinn, Firefly, and more of DC's most villainous criminals against the Joker. Um, this series is going to launch on August 3rd. Okay. Yeah. And you can see some art there um, in the, the uh, article. Grant Morrison to return to Superman under the Authority with a new team-up series. Uh, Grant Mars is returning to Superman. This is not a drill, apparently, according to this article. Morrison, the writer of the contemporary instant classic All-Star Superman, is returning to pen new stories about the Man of Steel in a new four-issue Superman and the Authority. I believe there was a Batman in the Authority, but I don't know if he did that one. Um, the limited series with art by Michael Jannon or Mikhail Jannon. Uh, mm-hmm. launches in July as a part of a minor rejiggering of the core incontinuity in Superman titles. Uh, that month, that includes the launch of Supergirl World of Tomorrow limited series. So, yeah, uh, Morrison and Jennings' story picks up on the, the recent goings-on and write up fellow Kennedy Johnson's action comics. Uh, let's see, yada, yada, yada. It goes on sale July 20th. Next up. Uh, let's see, what is it, DC Promises? Mm, no, there's one before it. Uh, oh, okay, Justice League Unlimited, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fan favorite world of the Justice League Unlimited animated series will return in May when DC debuts a new digital-first comic book series entitled... Titled... Justice League Infinity, co-written by Justice League Unlimited producer James Tucker and series writer uh, J.M. DeMatteis. Uh, I actually heard somebody pronounce that. So okay. it's J.M. DeMatteis. Okay. Um, Justice League Infinity will star the familiar lineup of Wonder Woman, Superman, Batman, The Flash, Green Lantern, Jon Stewart, Hawkgirl, Martian Manhunter, and in tradition of the animated series, a host of heroes from around the DC universe, including new DC characters that weren't around during the animated TV series' original run. It's a seven-issue series. Hmm. And the first digital chapter goes on sale May 13th. Okay. And it'll be in print in a 20-page print version on July 6th. Gotcha. I look forward to checking that out then. Uh, DC promises a major Batman villain will be murdered this summer. Um, the, 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 yeah, so July solicitors are out, so, yeah, there you go. Uh, has revealed a shocking twist in the July issue of Detective Comics, as a major Batman villain is about to be murdered. Uh, since Infinite Frontier started in this series with, uh, 1034, 
Detective Commons has been running a regular backup feature uh, beyond the main Batman feature by Mariko Tamaki, excuse me, Mariko Tamaki, and Dan Mora. The, the first backup was Robin, followed by Huntress, two-parter, then Lucius Fox, Deb Donovan. Who's Deb Donovan? Never mind. Don't go over that. Um, uh, Penguin Spotlight, then look at the origin of the, uh, the new villain, The Vile. 1040, we'll see the Man Bat take flight in a story by Dan Waters and Kyle Hotz. And uh, apparently Bruce Wayne is going to be behind bars again. Because that hasn't happened once or twice. Assuming that's actually going to happen. Next up. Next up, before Netflix launches its Masters of the Universe Revelation animated series later this year, Dark Horse Comics is going to publish a four-issue prequel comic book series co-written by the show's executive producer, Kevin Smith. Starting in July, the four-issue series will set up storylines that lead directly to the plot of the Netflix show and set the stage for a future vision of Masters of the Universe, along with Kevin Smith. The prequel comic book is co-written by Rob David and Tim Sheridan. Okay. Cool. And you can see the first cover of it if you're watching the video. Uh, Infinity Train. And Warner Brothers shelved planned comic books and choose-your-own-adventure books. So not only has Infinity Train animated series been canceled following its fourth season, but several projects in other media, including games, comics, and a choose-your-own-adventure novel, were also victims of shifting priorities at AT&T Warner Media. Um, apparently, the creator of Infinity Train was asked if Infinity Train were to continue, what would you consider telling your story? Would you consider telling story in another media? Um, and to where Dennis Owen oh, Dennis says, I'd love to. Then he went on to discuss various plans that had been in development but never got produced, including a VR um, Infinity Train experience where you hung out and solved puzzles in Corginia. So, yeah. Next up. There's a new printing on the way for the rom-com slash sex comedy Alice in Leatherland that celebrates its diverse ensemble's joys, kinks, and loves. Um, Created by real-life couple Iolanda Zanfardino, writer, and Elisa Romboli, artist, while they were in pandemic lockdown together, Alice in Leatherland is a new comic book miniseries from Black Mask Studios. Okay, cool. Yeah. Last but not least, um, this was, matter of fact, you take this one. Yeah, this is cool. Unfortunately, I did not know about this, but this is good news. This is actually uh, 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 the the posting of this article was like two weeks ago, mm-hmm. the 16th. So I'm 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 sad to say I did not know about this, but I am happy to say that this is welcome news. <laughs> Mouse Guard is returning with the Owl Hen Caregiver. David Peterson is going to be returning to his Eisner and Harvey Award-winning series with Mouse Guard, the Owl Hen Caregiver, and the beat has a a, a peek at it, and. Um, 
The one shot, which I am now going to add to my pull list, arrives in July 2021 and includes three stories, including Piper the Listener, The Wild Wolf, and The Eponymous Tale, The Owl Hen Caregiver. According to Peterson, the short story format is ideal for conveying stories that focus on themes of hope and compassion. The one-shots can be published under the Archaea imprint at Boom Studios, which has been home to the Mouse Guard series since 2003. That is welcome, welcome news, let me tell you. Mm, and if you're watching the video, you can see um, some pages from said book. I highly recommend Mouse Guard to anybody. Anybody. This is a, it's essentially an all-ages book. So, um, you know, please, please, please search that out. It is available in several trade paperback forms, and I'm sure it's available digitally as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, Agent Seventy. If you if you haven't figured it out by now, Agent Seventy is a noted Mouse Guard fan. <laughs> Definitely. And with that, I have lots. I have lots of stuff signed by uh, David Peterson. That's Mouse Guard. Right. I've always seen the art, and art's gorgeous. So I've just never actually read any of it. Um. So yeah, maybe one of these days I'll um, I'll definitely check it out. So, with that, folks, we have come to the end of another exciting episode of the Combo Chronicles. But do you have a to- something for Toy Corner? Uh, I do, actually. Yeah, let me go ahead and whoop, real quick. Uh, if I can get this without toppling things over, yay! Great. All right, let me push on me and bap. There we go. So it's real quick. I got a Funko. Um, whoops. There we go. Uh, it's um, one of the um, one of the multitude of Miles Morales uh, <laughs> variants that have that's just come out. I'm waiting for another one actually to come uh, in a couple of months, or coming next month rather. I think it's coming in a couple of weeks. But uh, cool. I don't I don't know if you can if that plays a little bit. There we go. Yeah, find it. There we go. Yeah, that's kind you got of got a radio green screen. Oh yeah, he's working on it. Um, but yeah, so it's Miles Morales in the 2020 suit from the video game, uh, Miles Morales, uh, Spider-Man, which I still have yet to play. Uh, oh no. Yeah. I don't have a PS5 and I can't play it on the PS4, but I don't want to, but yeah, that's right. that. So now we got an ad read. And you know what, what, what I'd reread when it's been uh, a long night, folks? Keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. <laughs> Visit CSPN.us, then click the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would through this link, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, Marvel Legends, or Funko Pops. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment... That helps us keep the Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today. And as we actually come to the end of another exciting episode of Comic Book Chronicles, I'd like to thank each and every one of you for coming out. Sorry these has been so long, but you know, Falcon and Winter Soldier talk kind of kind of does the thing but we don't have to worry about that for uh, probably another month or so because right. uh yeah loki's not gonna be here till june right so, i mean we could talk next week about the invincible series just very quick you know just kind of in broad strokes depends yeah. on if uh, Ryder cat will be caught up by then i will have been but, caught up by then i think 
Right. So maybe we'll just, you know, we'll touch upon that for a few minutes next week. Yeah. But outside of that, yeah, we kind of gave him some short stroke impressions of it when the when the first couple the uh, first three episodes came out. But yeah, might as well do the um, talk about the rest of the series. Whole series, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so that being the case, look out for that uh, same bet time, same bet channel as normal. But until then, I have been Roddy Cat, and you can find me at Roddy Cat on Twitter. You can find me at News and Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. <laughs> Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, PC and underscore dirt on Twitter. Pop Culture Network on Twitter. Excuse me, Pop Culture Net on Twitter. Pop Culture Network.com and all those sites they're in. And also, um, he may still be doing Byte uh, under comic reviews, no vowels. I don't know. Uh, Tim, D-O-G-G-9-8 on Twitter, the, the Osiris of this ish. Uh, you can find him at that. You can also find him at CB Cron on Twitter, which is the Cumber Chronicles uh, Twitter account. You can also find him at uh, The Click Nation on Twitter. That's D-K-L-I-Q-N-A-T-I-O-N. Uh, you can also find him at TheClickNation.com. But you can mostly find him at Cumber Resources where he's writing his face off. And that's CBR.com if you didn't actually know the 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 um the site name. Um you, you can also find this here podcast on the Coastal of the Podcast Network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today. You can also find this on your podcast personal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Uh, and again, of course, you can find us live every 30, Thursday night recording on either youtube.com slash the click nation or twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles, all one word. And with that, folks, uh, we will see you next week for more shenanigans, more comic books and more fun, probably, hopefully less, um, news. I don't know. We'll see. You never know. Yeah, you never know. Things tend to happen around this time of year. It could go either way. Um, but with that, this has been the Combo Chronicles. Peace. Peace, one. I love it when a plan comes together. <laughs>